Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. For Americans who can't work remotely, the coronavirus creates constant dilemmas. Could they catch the disease? Could they spread it without knowing? And if they're honest about a potential exposure, could they risk losing income? NPR's Camila Dominoski reports on how workers with no symptoms can face a lot of tough decisions. When her Ford plant opened back up for production, it wasn't that Marcy didn't want to go to work. She couldn't. I didn't have childcare, you know, when we they called us back to work in late May, so I just used a week vacation until I figured things out. Marcy didn't want to use her last name because she's worried about retribution for speaking publicly about conditions at the plant. She and another mom agreed to trade off on childcare for each other, but that carries its own risks. I have to consider this like, okay, I'm opening my bubble even more. In fact, one day she learned that expanded bubble might have exposed her to the virus. She was on her shift when she found out, wondering if she should get tested. So am I supposed to leave work? And, like, I should because technically I could be positive and not know it, you know. But a lot of people just can't do that. Can't just get up and go, you know. We depend on the 40 hours or whatever it is a week (laughs) now. A big part of the problem is that she's not sure whether she'd be paid to quarantine. Marcy praises Ford's policies on masks and social distancing, but the quarantine rules? That's the big mystery. Ford, General Motors, and Fiat Chrysler are paying some workers to stay home and get tested. And the policies aren't always clear or consistent. Ralph Morris Jr. is the president of UAW Local 163 in Michigan. Some of them put them on unemployment. Some of them will and get paid for three days. Others will be out for two weeks. And he says it's not clear what determines who gets quarantined and who doesn't. They'll ask the question, have you been in contact with anyone? And they say, well, yeah, I, you know, I was at a nursing home and they said there was a case there. And then, well, no, you got to go out. Meanwhile, someone who says they definitely had contact with a positive case might get cleared to work. One worker at a GM plant in Michigan, who wanted to remain anonymous out of fear of retribution, told NPR she was sent home after describing a possible exposure that happened outside work. And she waited nearly a week for her negative test result without pay. Those unpaid quarantines can create an incentive for workers not to disclose all their risks if they know they might lose pay if they're honest. A GM spokesman says one factor the company considers when deciding whether to pay quarantined workers is if their exposure happened at work. Megan Garland is a labor and employment attorney at Duane Morris. She advises employers. She says exposure at work is a special case because it could be a workers' compensation issue. In some other situations, she'd advise against paying an employee to stay home. They want to be very careful to not do something for one employee that they cannot then do for the entire workforce if it came to it. 
A lot of businesses are struggling right now and can't afford to pay for all the employees who could eventually need to quarantine. She also says they don't want to create an incentive for people to exaggerate their risks so they can get paid to stay home. Still, she says, if companies can afford to pay for all quarantines. Absolutely. This is the time to show them how much you care and that you're willing to put your money where your mouth is. Like so many things about the virus, there's a huge divide here. For people who can work from home, quarantining while waiting for a test result is almost a non-issue. But if going to work means showing up at a plant, quarantines can create this anxious calculation, balancing the risk of spreading the disease against the risk of losing a paycheck. Camila Dominoski, NBR News. Ownership was always very important to me. If I wasn't in this business, I would be an architect, but I wanted to not only just design the house, but build the houses and own the houses and sell them. My father was a subcontractor and he would get paid uh, on Fridays and be so happy that he had made $800, but I would watch the man that owned the house sell it and make $80,000. So I always knew that there was more power in the man that owned the house rather than the man that actually was working on it and building it. So I always wanted to be the guy that owned the house. So naturally, when I went into film and television, it had to be that way. Watching examples like Oprah owning the Oprah Winfrey show and, and understanding what that meant, that was very, very important to me. And I, and I think that um, I am a testament to anybody who wants to get into this business. Ownership changes everything. You know, when you think about film, and television, it's been done the same way for years. You know, you record an image and, and you put it out there. Well, just because it's been done that way for many, many years doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of other things you can add or change. So I just, I, I don't like to go with the norm or the status quo. I like to challenge the system and see what I can find differently. So that is truly a disruptor. So this is the residence. They have two kids, so. Very close, yeah. Their, their daughter's room. First time I came to um, Atlanta, I was um, coming here for Freaknik, which is the Black Spring Break. I was coming here to party and hang out with all the other college dropouts because I didn't even go. And, uh, but I saw black people doing well. I saw doctors and lawyers. I saw black families going to restaurants and living in nice houses. And that was so foreign to me coming from, uh, coming from Louisiana. So getting here, seeing that, being a part of that, tasting that and being in the air. This was the 90s where there was this great migration to Atlanta, especially by black people, because they knew something special was happening here. Well, I was one of, one of the ones in that number, but it's also the home of Dr. Martin Luther King. And if you, if you really want to talk about somebody who had a dream, and all of his adversities and things that he overcame. I just felt like being on this ground, breathing this air in these Georgia pines would be everything I needed to become all that I wanted to be. I couldn't walk down the street without people screaming, Medea, Tyler, Medea, Medea. And then I got to Hollywood and they had no clue, no clue to what I what I'd done, who I was, or the following that I had. So 
I went to a couple of studios and, and they were like, well, we want to change this. We want to change that in your script. We want to change this. And da 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 da. I'm like, no, not changing that. And I need to own it. And I was completely willing to walk away from it because I, I have an audience that has been so endearing to me, so uh, powerful and so strong and so my support, my rock by my side. They were supporting me so well, I didn't need to be in Hollywood. It was just a way to for me to uh, tell more stories without having to show up at 360 different performances every year. But but ownership for me was easy because I was underestimated. They said, sure, you can own it. They didn't think it was going to be worth anything. Aha. I, I feel like it was humble beginnings, and I feel like it's humble, even more humbling for me now, even having all, all, all of this uh, access to things. It's, it's really, really great. But the, the important part of all of that is understanding what this is about, that it is beyond me. And it, it takes people to really walk the studio a lot and see the faces of all these people around here who haven't had a chance, who haven't had a shot, to see them get their opportunity, to see them light up when they see themselves on screen for the first time. That to me is, is, is the, the motivation, the inspiration, and everything I need to keep going. I've, I've been on many, many movie sets around uh, in my lifetime. And to walk in and not see one black face or very few women on the set, it's always been troubling to me. I thought, wow. There is not one black person that, that is working on this crew of 400. Even if you just did the statistics and the numbers, it, it should make sense that there would be at least one. So I wanted to foster an environment where minorities and women and people, LGBTQ, anybody who wanted to come and work and do a great job was welcome. What I found is that if you invest in the underdog, if you invest in the people who haven't had the opportunity, the level of gratitude and understanding for what is happening for them is so powerful. It's just wonderful. It's not racism. The problem starts at the top. Out of 268 admirals in the U.S. Navy, only 10 are African-American. Most of them are rear admirals like Alvin Halsey, who is running the Navy task force. That's pretty small. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Right now, there are no African-American admirals at the two highest ranks. Building an admiral is a 20 to 30 year commitment, Halsey says. It's not just about test scores and performance reviews. Someone has to be willing to guide that young officer. As a black officer in the Navy, I'll tell you that I've mentored more people to, that don't look like me than look like me. It's your mathematics, right? Uh, but I will tell you also because there's very few guys who've come before me in, in small numbers, uh, someone who don't look like me had to reach out and engage and make a difference in my career. African Americans are 13% of the population, but only 9% of naval officers. So the pipeline starts off small. Then, somewhere along the way, many people just become exhausted, says Keith Green, a lieutenant commander who retired in the 1990s. He recently wrote the book Black Officer, White Navy. It is not simply just unconscious bias. There are active behaviors that are happening to people because they don't like working for a black person or a minority, and they don't like having, you know, one be their, uh, their uh, supervisor. Not everyone an African-American officer encounters is a problem, Green says, but the extra effort to work around those who are takes its toll on their career. Not only do you have to do all the other stressful things that any military person has to do, you have to play that double game of trying to figure out why you're being treated differently or what's happening to you, why is something happening to you that isn't happening to other people. 
Retired Rear Admiral Sinclair Harris heads the National Naval Officers Association, which has worked for 50 years to promote diversity in the sea services. He says it takes hundreds of ensigns to eventually make one admiral, or what the Navy calls flag officers. You've got to bring more people in in the beginning so that the quality cut that you're going to have especially when you get to senior officer and get to flag officer, you have enough people in the pot. He calls it Death Valley, that point where junior officers opt to end their careers. Graduating from the Naval Academy is the most well-worn path to admiral, but less than 6% of the current class at the Naval Academy is African American. The Academy is not the only path. Admiral Harris was rejected when he applied at the beginning of his career. Harris says one solution is mentoring officers who come through less traditional paths. When you only have one out of 20 uh, diverse candidates going up for a flag officer in a certain community, and they decide, hey, you know what, I just got this high-paying job at IBM. Guess what? Now you're down to zero, and you got to look through that pipeline, and that pipeline is anemic. The Navy is more diverse at lower ranks. 20% of enlisted sailors are African-American. Force Master Chief Huben Phillips is part of the One Navy Task Force, which is looking at how to end discrimination in the ranks. Uh, throughout my 31 years, uh, where I've seen uh, racism or discrimination personally against me, uh, I knew what the policy was, right? I knew that it was wrong. But when you're in a minority, you just kind of put your head down, right? You kind of figure out, you think about self-preservation, you think about your family, you think about the bigger picture. At the moment, the Navy is encouraging enlisted and officers alike to speak up. One Navy Task Force is scheduled to issue its report in December. I'm Steve Walsh in San Diego. Okay, great. Um, so this is Amy out in Virginia, um, and I'm happy I'm able to call in. I'm, I know this isn't workplace racism, um, but I feel like what I want to say should be on this broadcast in case there are people who only listen to the compensatory call and don't really tune in to workplace racism. I'll start with the the most important thing that I can stress is I I understand like if maybe where someone is new to being codified or new to some of the work, I'm not so sure that's true for the people tuning in, but if you're trying to put people on, when I think about being codified and codification, it doesn't mean that you have to have an entire rule book. That can feel overwhelming, but I do think it's critical to have very, like a few stronghold codes that you just do not break based off of your experience, based off of the experience of others. One that I cannot stress enough, document, 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 and make sure you keep a record of what you are documenting. So it's not enough for me in my line of where we write, you know, paperwork or whatever. If I, once I write it and I send it in, if I don't have a copy of it, it doesn't matter that it's documented. So make sure to have copies of what you are documenting. Another code that I have that I do not break whatsoever is I do not allow a person who is classified as white to get me out of character. Um, I don't think that's a metaphor, but just in case it is, let me be more explicit. I remain professional at all times. It took a very long time to cultivate that, and that even means if I don't speak right away. I will literally, even to the point, like, I'll tell you the story. So 
<clears throat> number one, I am overqualified for the work that I do, but that is by choice because I have a larger plan. So I wanted a chill situation that I could do and focus on the other things that I'm building. So I wasn't trying to get a job that matched my skill set. Um, this is important because I came up for my annual review, and I've never actually had an annual review where I just, I've never had one, you know. I've had, like, where I sit down with a supervisor or manager and we talk about things, you know what I mean, but I haven't had one like the one that they have with my current position. So when you open it up, it's like you give yourself scores, one to five, five being you um, excel at the work that you do, you, you know, exceed standards. One is you're not meeting them. And then underneath it, it just had like a box and it said comment. So when I, and, you know, I had to do it first and then my manager was going to do it, or the supervisor of the house or whatever. So I went in, gave myself five because I'm stellar. And I don't mean that to sound cocky, but I mean that because I, that's how I show up to my work. That is a code for me. I have a very strong work ethic. I'm not lazy. I'm on time. And I do not only what I'm supposed to do, but even a little bit more because that is how I show my teamwork and I build rapport. I'm not going to talk to you about your kids or your family because I don't want to be involved, but I will do, you know what I mean? Like I show up. So anyway, and I work with abused children, so I show up for them too, moving forward. But I didn't put anything in the box because I was, it just said comment. And I was like, I don't really have a comment, you know, other than I exceed expectations. I mean, that's what a five means. I'm very laconic, meaning I don't really like to be overly verbose. I just want to say it, it's done, I'm over. Anyway, so I submitted it. Then I had to, um, they contacted me on, the supervisor house contacted me on my day off, which I think is extremely disrespectful because it's not urgent to contact, like to text me personally. You know, you didn't send me an email, you texted me to ask me to come in early when I worked the overnight. So instead of my already 10-hour shift, which is a 12-hour situation given that I commute, now it's a 13-hour because you don't, you want to be able to leave early. It's completely disrespectful, but she's tacky. I classify her as white. Um, anyway, so I don't know how she classifies, but it doesn't matter. That's for this. So, of course, I'm there. I'm on time. And no five, getting to the point, no five. So this, I was, what is that about? And she said to me that a five would mean that you're overqualified. And I looked at her and very clearly, I am overqualified. I mean, I'm not saying I don't want my job, but I am overqualified for this. You need to have a GED and do this, okay? So, um, and then she said, I read, like, her comments, and I, I, was, I was flabbergasted, okay? <laughs> she said that I needed to learn how to use problem-solving skills. And let me, let me break this down to you for a little quick. I work with children who have been traumatized, abused, neglected, and all kinds of other stuff, sodomized, raped, everything. They have very bad behaviors. I work primarily by myself because I work the overnight. When I work, there's no breakdowns in the house. There's no one running. There's, no, there's none of that. You know, on the other end of the week, the house is popping off. The girls are all over the place. So what I'm trying to say is I have it together, okay? So I don't know where I needed to learn problem-solving skills because it's all together. Furthermore, I document. She takes it personally. There's laws about how many children can be awake with one staff and all that. That's how they get funding. Once a child is awake, I'm technically out of ratio. 
they, I can only be with the number that I'm with because they are sweet. So I've been documenting. I mean, anytime it happens, um, it's written, and I scan it into my phone. I have a file of now like 40 incident reports that I write. She brought it up and told me pretty much that she didn't want me to write them and that technically I'm not out of ratio. I looked it up and found the law, and I am. But I don't have to go back and forth with her because if one of these kids wake up and do something they're not supposed to do, like touch each other or something like that, then it's going to be me who has to deal with it. So I'm not doing that. I'm going to write as many incident reports as I want to. I think I've shared this with you all. So anyway, she brought that up. So getting to the point, a whole bunch of like reasons. Oh, this is the conference with five minutes ago. Anyway, long story short, I was trying to get in so I could add a comment. She told me she couldn't let me. I needed to talk to HR. I spoke, I emailed HR, HR called, and threatened to suspend me for a late training that I didn't even know was late. We weren't even talking about training. She literally cut me off. I said, excuse me, please let me finish. I explained the story, and then she said, well, technically, I could suspend you because you're late for training. I said, thank you very much. Have a great day. I have to go do breakfast because I was at work. I found corporate, found the human directors, whatever, for human resources, director for human resources, emailed them, and here's some more racism. She responds. She says, I'm so sorry that you dealt with that. Let's, uh, if you'd like to talk about it, we can. Um, and I'll see if I can let you back in. I just told you that someone threatened me with suspension because I inquired into my performance reviews. So I think my follow-up question is, and that's the final thing I want to say, question, question, question. Don't ever make statements, just questions, just questions. So my follow-up question will, find, will be, what is the policy and procedure for being threatened at work or an abuse of power, period? So there was other stuff I wanted to say, but if I talk too much and you got lost, all I want to say, document everything. Remain professional at all times, even if it means you don't say anything right there. Please don't take it as like you're not having black self-respect if you can't hold your composure when someone is disrespecting you in the moment, especially at your job. Step away. That way you can breathe, you can think about it, you can process, and then put it in writing. That woman will never be allowed to speak to me ever on the phone. There's no talking. Anything you need to say to me is in writing. And then finally, always, 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 when you're dealing with white people, no statements, only questions. Only questions. And you'll get so much more information, and, and it's just going to solve so many problems. If I took too much time, I do apologize. As always, I thank you all for listening to me, and hopefully I'll be able to chime in soon. Thanks. Context of White Supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date Friday, September 18, 2020, so I have been told. Another very lame week in the system of white supremacy. The smoke still lingering in the air in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I believe that is the case, uh, the case from... Uh, Washington State, where I am, all the way south uh, to San Diego, Southern California. Uh, lots of smoke in the air, very poor air quality. Uh, man, <clears throat> aside from the air quality and the Rona and racism and everything else, uh, the recommendation or recommendations uh, from multiple sources. Uh, is not only to keep the windows closed, but to 
keep the blinds and or curtains closed as well to try to maximize or to minimize the amount of toxins uh, that are able to get into your residence. So just to for me, I'm someone I really and I think most people right enjoy the sunshine, right? Roy Ayers and all the rest of it. It's summer to or it, it was summertime. Uh, but to be able to have the curtains open and or much less be able to go outside, right? Or in the middle of the Rona and they said, get fresh air. Try to get outside when you can open the windows for ventilation to not be able to do any of that. And kind of the extra insult uh, of having to have the blinds closed. So it's a little uh, gloomier than it would be like, wow. Added punishment for 2020. Another lame week in a series of lame weeks and lame months, 2020. Trying our best to get through it. Man, uh, this is neutralizing workplace racism. If you have figured out some things to uh, stay safe, minimize abuses from whites in your workplace, Really minimize mistreatment from anyone in the workplace. Definitely share. We need lots and lots of those suggestions. So if you figured out anything uh, in terms of getting clarification on the COVID-19 policy at your workplace. If you figured out some things in terms of making sure if you need time away from work, personal time, sick time, uh, sick time, whatever it is. Making sure you have personal protection in your workplace, whatever it is, making sure they observe social distancing. You don't have any of those issues. You ask questions and get things done. You make known what resources or assistance you need. You get it done. Sparkling performance reviews. You put stellar because that's what I am. And they say, absolutely, you are extra stellar, you know, and give you a 20 percent raise or 25 percent raise or extra week of vacation time, paid vacation time, something like that. You figured out this is what to say. This is what to do. This is how to use the policy and procedure in your workplace to maximize the good stuff for yourself. Please write this here number down or punch it in your phone. 720-716. Seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Number again seven two oh seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Email until justice at gmail dot com. We'll get to those also. Until justice at gmail dot com. We'll share your thoughts if you have any concerns about, you know, 
being anonymous. Uh, if you have suggestions that you would still like to share or questions, uh, we can offer perhaps a little feedback uh, that is logical, helps solve problems without creating new problems. Wowie, lots uh, to get through uh, just with the uh, clips alone, and then we'll get some of the emails. Let's see, uh, with the clips, so let's see, we heard Emmy last. That was from our most recent compensatory call-in. Those performance reviews, man, oh man, I think we've heard that a couple times, particularly that is a little different. I haven't had as much experience, like personal experience, with the performance reviews where they give you like a sheet or what have you and have you rate yourself, right, in certain areas. Fives if it's a number scale or whatever. Um, but be honest if you know, hey, I have been showing up on time. I haven't been late. I haven't been calling in sick. I have been here. I've been doing my job. I haven't been written up. I'm not here gossiping and slacking all, taking cigarette breaks uh, every five minutes. That's not me. I get things done. I'm on task, doing what I'm supposed to do. Why should I not get a five? Apps. And like I said, I think we've had that before where someone in a performance review had the audacity to suggest, yeah, I think I might actually be a competent employee. Yes, I think that that might be me. What? Lazy Negro. What do you mean? Confident employee. I ought to fired you a month ago. Can be common, unfortunately. System of racism. I love that. And then also document that that comes up so many times just as a suggestion but it the reason is because it can end up being so helpful continue documenting even in the face of opposition Uh, I think we've heard that a few times uh, before as well uh, where someone might try to uh, suggest use words what are you you writing things what what is all this writing down What, what we got a stenographer here that's your ambition in life They'll try and say things like that, and make it seem like there's something wrong with you taking notes. And they talked about, then what are you, what are you writing all these incidents reports for? What, what is all that? That's not even needed. You don't even need to do that. You're not even out of ratio. And what does she do? I check the policy and procedure. What does it say? I can read. They will do that a lot. They'll gaslight you. Don't believe your lying eyes. You can't even count straight. If I put, you know, 15 jelly beans in front of you, you would think it's 500. What do you mean going around here counting to see if you're out of ratio with the staff? What do you mean? Right. Incident. You don't need to do all that. Continue documenting. You can follow a lot and particularly those type of incident reports that might serve to protect you. She was talking about that. You're in some type of situation where if the staffing ratio or whatever the policy and procedure says you end up being in violation of it. Oh man, it will end up coming back on you. Well, why didn't you say something? You knew what the staffing ratio is. We got your signature right here that you understood all elements of policy and procedure. And it's right here on page 59. This is what the student to staff ratio is. And you were in violation of it. Did you report it? Did you say anything? What? 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 Oh, 
I've seen that. I've seen that continue to die. And especially if they're trying to make it seem like, you know, there's something wrong with you noting this information. Definitely say something. <laughs> say or you know, say just continue with the documentation. You can even at, put it in a question form. Is there something incorrect about me taking notes here? Is there something incorrect about me submitting the report? And just wait for it. Because a lot of times they'll they'll say things to try to suggest that it's something wrong about you doing this without actually saying, oh, that's incorrect. That's a violation of policy. You taking notes there. Document, document, document and ask questions. Really avoid that. You are not in the lane of uh, speechifying, making statements. That is not the art of counter racism. You really want to try and uh, restrict yourself uh, as much as possible, as often as possible to asking questions. Uh, Let's see. We heard from Tyler Perry, filmmaker, entertainer, victim of racism uh, in that segment. uh, And he talked about ownership. Very important. I think we heard some of that last week with um, Master P, right? Uh, he talked about the the difference seeing his dad do all the hard labor in constructing a house. And then a white person gets all of the proceeds from that hard black labor. Grand lesson, although I did, I had many thoughts. I had many thoughts. Um, the Medea friend, like, wow, in a system of racism, white supremacy, a black male in a dress billionaire that was one thought uh say atlanta and of course the city of atlanta but anyway uh next thought was wow other black entertainers who have been you know a little more insightful intelligent about uh the business component of entertainment to make sure that I get my proceeds and maybe I, I own these tunes or whatever, you know, this product is my films, you know, I own the rights to my publishing and such those type individuals, uh, Michael Jackson, Bill Cosby, Prince. I think even R Kelly might be in that group. It seems there might be a track record. I'm not going to say in total because I think Ray Charles might be in that group too. But it does seem like there's a little bit of a track record for white people making problems. For black people who say, oh, I'm about owning my product. You know, I'm a black person and I don't want to be exploited. and I want to hire other black people and put them in positions that they wouldn't have access to. Like, ooh, we. In a system of racism, white supremacy, oftentimes that type of operation is sabotaged. However, asterisk, black male in a dress. Anywho, but great to be hiring other black people and ownership. Spectacular. Black entrepreneurship does not eliminate racism. Next. Uh, The segment. on the sharing of information in terms of in the workplace and uh, workers 
trying to navigate, figure out what the uh, COVID-19 policy is going to be, how are we going to be compensated uh, if we end up uh, being exposed to the virus at work? Do they let us know in a timely manner? Should I let my boss know? Am I going to get paid if I have to take time off of work uh, for all of this? I think we've heard similar commentary from lots of folks about uh, employers being vague. Uh, Even it sometimes seems like they're being deliberately evasive and not ask or not answering direct questions about what's the compensation policy. Uh, What is the disclosure policy in terms of if someone that we, that works here, uh, if it turns out that they test positive uh, or, or you have to go get tested, seems like they might have some symptoms in terms of notifying employees, you know, what, what is your duty to let us know so that we can go get tested or quarantine or whatever. seems like that has been very widespread. Them having lots of discretion about what the compensation is going to be. If you get exposed to the virus in a workplace and you have to miss, I don't know, what is a standard has been like 14 days for quarantine or what have you, or maybe 21 days. Do you get compensated for all that time, half that time, that type of thing? Man, that is the type of uh, information that you would like to have way sooner than later. Uh, you do not want to be sniffling and coughing and all the rest of it and then trying to wade through and figure out what the Rona policy is in your workplace. Get all of that information, ask questions, and make sure that you are super duper uh, clear on every aspect of that. Like right now, that would be the type of thing. Like, let me go to H. That is the time to go to human resources with questions. Like, no, I don't want to go in and report racism. I don't want to talk about a fireside conversation on white privilege or anything else. Let's go over the Rona policy. <laughs> like, let me get that in lots of detail because I might have a whole. We said, said about a question. Man. That might be another one to send emails to if it's seeming like they want to be evasive about the policy. Email so you have electronic footprint about what all this is supposed to be. Oh, let's see. Anything else? The Rona policy. Mr. Perry. Emmy with documentation. I know we have emails. I'll make sure I get at least one of those in right now. Uh, and then we'll get to. Uh, the folks who dialed in on the line. Let's see. Uh, with our emails, first person who wrote in, oh, got the wrong tab. Okay. All right. First person that wrote in. Oops. Incorrect link. Try that again. All righty. Number one, no friends in the workplace. Race soldiers will find many ways to sabotage those relationships. The caller from Florida gave a great example of how a confused non-white person can be used to ask compromising questions. Set up another black person with the Karen scenario. I have been in similar situations. This was um, last week, the caller in Florida at the courthouse. Uh, he was saying that it was another non-white person who asked him, uh, what do you, I think it was like, uh, when, who came up, when did they come up with that uh, Karen saying for calling white people, uh, white women? 
and and what's what's the saying that they have to call a black person and he i think he didn't respond said i don't know he says well i'm gonna need you to come up with a term for me for that one we talked about that last week just like what in the world? why are you even asking me a question like that in a workplace setting total set i wouldn't care who it was white person or non-white person anyway uh, i wouldn't even entertain the notion with people who have left the plantation as they are likely to still be in touch with your work colleagues if you leave perhaps even then i would suggest not number two Glad the grumpy slave is planning to remove himself from the diversity event he was invited to participate in. I'm interested in how he handles this, so it would be helpful to get an update. I suspect this would be useful to other non-white people. I agree. And it should be easy because he said for this whole scenario, we talked about it for like the last couple of weeks, non-white male. He was asked to participate on this one of those fireside conversations and just nonsense, uh, colorblindness. All lives matter. Total nonsense. But he shared last week there was one white man on this panel who excused himself. (laughs) And so and and then uh, human resource put the kibosh on all of this. Oh, 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 we got to make sure this doesn't violate our human resources policy. Uh, And so this has been postponed indefinitely. They'll let them know when it's going to happen. But it should be super easy. Like this white man already got off and we've moved on the other things, new season, the election is coming up. Like, Oh yeah, I got different time constraints and my focus is in a different place. Now I think, you know, my, my time and energy would be better served elsewhere. Much obliged. I, I would make that shoot super short, not verbose at all. Number three, to the caller who asked for advice about the child care facility that is not following the social distancing rules, I would suggest finding another job and or using the opportunity to set up her own social distanced facility. Even if she begins on a one to one basis or just with a few children in her home, I'm sure there are parents who take COVID-19 seriously. She may also have the flexibility to make the arrangement financially viable enough to make the change. That one also that came up last week, kind of towards the uh, end of the broadcast. Uh, We had a non-white female. And basically she was saying that uh, they, they service, they have a childcare facility and they service apparently a, a sizable number of uh, white children. And they have a lot of these white parents don't believe the Rona exists. Their children also do not. And so they're not wearing masks, social distancing, all the rest. Uh, she said the facility is owned by a black female. She did the responsible thing, sent out, you know, notification to all the parents. You know, the Rona is real. We're taking it serious. We want to keep our staff safe. We want to keep you safe, your children safe. Uh, so we're doing masks and social distancing and asking that children not touch each other and all the rest. These are younger children, too. Like she said, I think like one to six are really small toddlers. Um, but she said, yeah, they're just like, eh, you know. Four more years. We're not doing it. Peanut butter crackers, you know. Uh, and, and that was what I said last week. I said, man, if you all have tried, she said that they, you know, tried to really stress this. Like, hey, this is important. We want to make sure that everybody's safe. And she said when they did this, a lot of parents took their children out of the facility. Right. So they're losing money. 
uh, with all of this. And so she says she doesn't, she's a parent too. She doesn't want to take anything home to her children. She wants to keep herself safe and all the rest of it. And I think some of us said last week, like, man, I would be looking at an exit strategy. Uh, I mean, I don't like saying that. I think my general rule system of white supremacy is difficult. You want to try to keep your job if you can uh, under most circumstances, unless it's really toxic. It's the word I normally say is unhealthy. I mean, I don't generally mean it in like, oh, they got germs and ickiness and they're not abiding by the Rona. But I would generally say if it's not healthy, if you see this is not a healthy environment for me, there's no opportunity for me to grow here. I'm not going to progress. This is not someplace that's going to enhance my development, my career uh, over the next year, two years, whatever it is might be time to look at an exit strategy or if it's, you know, impacting your health and well-being. I would say this. Absolutely. You've concluded that the Rona is a real problem and they are not taking it seriously. They're not doing things that are going to keep or the parents, the white parents, there, patrons, they are not taking it seriously and are not, you know, making their children try to do things that are going to be safe uh, to protect them and everybody else there. I'd be looking at an exit exit strategy, uh, just as the person who wrote in email said. Um, I did feel some type of way about that one. I always do um, when telling the victim of racism to consider uh, switching plantations, uh, because sometimes that can more often that's stressful and it can take some time. And, you know, sometimes people are attached to the place that they work at. But I mean, priorities particularly being a parent in this one i think if if anybody if you have other folks that you're concerned about uh taking anything home too like yeah i would have to have a serious sit down and ponder about you know how important is this job to me and working here especially if i'm working with parents who i mean how much do you even care about us you know if it's i don't think the rona exists and we're not doing mass and all that and we're still going out and blah 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 okay no problem but i mean at least in a school setting, right? At least here, like, oh, okay, we'll go along. We'll play along with your little game. Yeah, yeah, the Rona and everyone, we got our mask. Okay, at least you could play along with that for, you can't, you're not even willing to do that. Like, what? All righty. Racist man, racist woman, racist child. Uh, there's, we have had lots of reports of that just for neutralizing workplace racism. We've had so many people write in who said the exact same thing. White people not taking this seriously in the workplace environment. Much obliged uh, person who wrote in number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. So if we have folks, if you have any suggestions, uh, our caller who dialed in uh, last week, child care situation, if you have any uh, suggestions for her, I guess if we have any child care folks that might be helpful too. Um, if you have your own situation, always grand. Uh, if we have any thoughts, suggestions about making sure we are safe from the Rona in the workplace, uh, that is always welcome. Uh, we've had a number of folks who have written in about that. Uh, this month and just asking for tips and things that they can do to try to stay safe. And uh, again, some of it might include snitching. If your workplace is not taking it safely, uh, reporting it, uh, local authorities, uh, department of health, that sort of thing. Uh, and or just asking questions 
uh, about what should we be doing? What is the C- what are the CDC recommendations? That sort of thing. If you see clear violations or things that make you feel unsafe and that word again, I would use it safety. Everything would be in the rubric, the context of promoting safety. Who is against safety? Seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Hi, guys. Uh, be in Toronto. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Greetings to you, callers and listeners. Um, so yes, I thank you for playing um, Emmy's clip from the compensatory call-in. I wanted to add, um, with regards to her situation, um, something that Emmy might consider uh, is definitely um, to review the licensing requirements of the group home or agency that, that you work for. Um, uh, the agencies that are um, uh, offering uh, residential services um, to uh, at-risk at youth or um, uh, vulnerable sector uh, dealing with mental health, substance abuse, things of this nature, <clears throat> behavioral concerns. Um, they are governed by uh, a, a set of, um, of licensing conditions in order to obtain their funding. So, um, and uh, this type of information should be easily accessible, and it's um, it's it's the very criteria that helps determine um, whether they will even be able to operate. Um, so, get familiar with that one and uh, see if there's any um, if there's any situations where they are not following, such as the uh, staff queue. Uh, client ratio, which is a big one because uh, that can also be as proof to um, unsafe work um, conditions uh, under the health and safety. Um, And uh, if you are to get hurt in any way, um, then, you know, it will show that at least you've been documenting um, uh, about those concerns and that the employer had not made any commitment to rectify the situation to ensure that it's a safe environment for you. So it's excellent that you continue to document. But get familiar with the licensing um, information that agencies need, and um, particularly for the industry that you're in. And um, uh, that can also be um, added ammunition in your arsenal. Um, In terms of a report, uh, something uh, unprecedented happened um, in my career. So last week, I did mention that I uh, was offered a full-time position. Uh, so what I did was I had sent in my resignation to the current plantation, and it was uh, bittersweet um, because I, I really liked um, where I, w- I was working. Um, in terms of the staff and um, how supportive they are. And um, uh, when I sent in my resignation, about two days later, I received a counteroffer. 
So the counter offer is that they're bumping me from a contract to a permanent. And uh, that'll actually be about uh, $5,000 more in salary. And uh, that I'll actually be closer to home. So naturally, I took the counter offer. Typically, if I am to resign, um, sometimes the employer will um, ask, uh, you know, if I need some more time to reconsider, if they would like to keep me on. But oftentimes, there is no counter offer. Uh, and typically, I, I I stay with my decision. But considering um, the benefits of staying at the plantation, I've chosen to to actually stay, um, and uh, that's never happened before. Uh, so, what I would encourage is um, is as Gus had mentioned earlier, definitely work on the exit plan. If the plantation that you're currently at is not working for you, if you're going through traumatic experiences on a daily basis. Um, uh, it definitely get that ex- exit strategy going so that you can move on to somewhere else um, where uh, you will get at least slightly more support than where you're currently at. Um, let me see. Uh, also, my son had mentioned um, that uh, he also wanted to add that uh, in Libya, uh, there was a, the slave trade that is still going on. Um, As uh, you may or may not be aware, there's many migrants that um, were trying to get to Europe. Um, However, uh, quote-unquote migrants are actually uh, persons who are being enslaved and sent to Europe. Um, And uh, that's also a a major concern uh, under neutralizing workplace racism uh, because of the fact that it still continues um, so if, um, if, uh, anyone's interested in, in getting further information, definitely, um, you know, look into it as well. Um, but that's it that I have for now and I leave the line. Thank you. Much obliged and congratulations, uh, be in Toronto. Uh, that's, I don't know, at least two two three weeks uh she has come in called in to uh rub our noses in it as they say like uh sure is a shame hear about you all uh having a tough time with the rona and everything fires and all that but uh things are coming up roses for be in toronto 2020 i've got counter offers and huge bumping salary new vehicle and it has just been a spectacular year like uh wowee exit strategy can't emphasize that enough you really do not have to you know hang out in a horrible environment where you're just being terrorized on a daily basis and feel like you're in purgatory with no chance of improvement uh that's just going to be degradation and abuse every day uh while you're working there exit strategy uh that is the system of white supremacy so frequently can kind of wear us down you don't have any black self-respect you don't have that confidence and just uh, just kind of feel helpless, uh, learned helplessness. That is a psychological condition where they can just kind of beat you down and you just stop. You don't even make an effort to try to relocate or, or get out of that toxic situation. Uh, work on. And I mean, it might take time. Sometimes that exit strategy, it might not necessarily be a one day thing. 
a one-week thing. Might not even be a one-month thing. Might have to take a couple of months to get it together. But, man, investing that time so that in two months, three months, you are out of there as opposed to a year goes by or two years goes by. We talked about some of this with Pamela Evans-Harris. She wrote about it. She saw this. This happens all the time when you end up with black people. Forget the Rona. Been saying the whole time the sickness is white supremacy. Where you end up with people, black people, because of what's happening to them on the job. Uh, and they just end up totally depressed. <clears throat> and in the house, gain weight or lose weight, you know, can go a lot of ways depending on if you stop eating or overeating, whatever it is. <clears throat> but end up not eating correctly and having all kinds of weight problems, <clears throat> health and wellness problems because of what is happening on the job and particularly getting stuck in really really toxic work situations uh, and being there maybe we didn't even think that this was going to be a long term stop for us maybe this is just a temporary situation until we find something better and end up being there for a year two three years and it can really derail you for a long period of time so as best you can get out you can find something better and wow things can drastically uh, improve where people do recognize yes you are a competent stellar employee who should have benefits and all the cool compensation packages that you know competent hardworking people should get yes spectacular for be in Toronto I think that is the first and only time I have heard the word unprecedented used where something good happened where it wasn't a million people died or everybody got the rona or they had to dump eight million pounds of food like i've heard that word like every 15 minutes this year but it's always been something cataclysmic except that one uh much obliged to be in toronto uh other folks number again 720-716-7300 the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate can i be heard uh greetings non clemson grad perhaps miss c uh, greetings. Unfortunately, no Miss T. She is out of town visiting some family during the Rona. And I can understand that as my grandfather just passed away earlier this week and he passed away on the African continent. So there's no easy way for me to go see, you know, the funeral or anything like that. So she's trying to go see her grandmother before she passes away. So she might do that any day now as well, too. But, um, I have a report that is four pages long. Um, I will try to read it as fast as possible. Um, and to the earlier people, I personally have no kids. My wife and I did talk about having kids during the Rona and decided that maybe we should just hold off. And um, so I really have no nothing to offer along those lines. All right, so let's see. Thursday, September 10th. I was asked to do a review of a sidewalk inventory and classify each section of the ca- of the county into three categories: complete, incomplete, and missing. I asked for a definition of incomplete and missing and was told I'm not going to debate semantics with you. The person that gave me the assignment got mad at me for asking what he meant. 
I find it funny that when he responded to my question, he responded in a direct email instead of a group email. Excuse me. Wednesday, September 9th, I took part in a workplace grievance hearing. The grievance hearing is a panel to facilitate workplace decisions that are made when an employer punishes an employee for workplace behaviors or actions, and the employee doesn't agree with the punishment. The panel is orchestrated by the HR department. The panel is made up of five employees, but this particular panel included myself, a black male, two black females, one white female, and one white male, assisted by um, an attorney employed by the same entity. For this particular hearing, a corrections officer was grieving his punishment for saying the phrase white power while in the workplace. His punishment was the motion two levels from sergeant to officer. Though he had the option to bring a personal attorney, he chose to represent himself. Before the hearing started, along with reading the confidential binder, which included the employee handbook and the written statements of all involved, I asked questions before the meeting started. The meeting started with Sergeant White Power giving his opening statement. Sergeant White Power did not deny that he said White Power. Instead, he argued that he was taken out of context. He argued that the context was that he was correcting another officer, Sergeant Middle East, and that he was only joking, not funny ha-ha, but funny shocking. What was Sergeant Middle East doing in saying that warranted correction? Well, have you heard of the punching game? It's a game where you hold your hand below your waist, and if someone looks, you owe them a punch. If they don't look, they owe you a punch. So how does this game result in Sergeant White Power saying White Power? When someone is playing the punching game, they form their hands to signify the okay gesture with their hand below their waist. When Sergeant White Power saw Sergeant Middle East do the okay gesture below his waist, Sergeant White Power said, hey, White Power. Sergeant Middle East was taken aback by the statement as if to say, what are you talking about? What Sergeant White Power said, White Power, he was overheard by Officer White Female and Lieutenant White Male. At first, they were unsure of what they heard. Officer White Female thought she heard White Towel. It was at this point that Lieutenant White Male had all involved write-up incident reports. Then the jail administrator, White Male, gave his opening remarks. Jail administrator remarked that when he heard about the incident, that his immediate reaction was termination as he didn't believe the context Sergeant White Power was articulating. Instead, he focused on the language used in the context described versus the intent. Jail administrator argued that if Sergeant White Power's intent was to correct, he would have used a different phrase like, hey, when you make the symbol with your hand, you're making a white. Police to describe the context of the incident. He explained that he was merely playing the punching game. Afterwards, the panel was free to ask Sergeant Middle East questions, so I asked him questions. How long have you been playing the punching game? He said, since he was a child. How long have you been playing the game at work? He said, since he started working at the jail five years ago. Have you pl ever played the, the game with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, have you ever played the punching game with Sergeant White Power? He said, yes. When Sergeant White Power said, hey, White Power, what did you think he meant? He said, um, he said I think he was talking about white, superior, white superiority and racism. Would that be your definition of white power? He, he said yes. Next, Sergeant White Power questioned his second witness, Officer White Female. Sergeant White Female, uh, Sergeant White Power asked her to describe the context of the incident. He explained that when she was in a lieutenant's office, she thought she overheard the phrase white power. Afterwards, the panel was free to ask White Officer White Female questions, so I asked her questions. Are you aware of the punching game? She said yes. 
do you engage in the game in this game? She said, no. When you thought you heard the phrase white towel, did you see any white towel around? She said, no. When Sergeant White Power said, hey, White Power, what do you think he meant? She said, I think he was talking about racism. Would that, what would, be, um, would that be your definition of white power? She said, yes. After both witnesses were done, it was time for closing remarks and final questions started with Sergeant White Power. Sergeant White Power reaffirmed that he said white power, but that he didn't agree with the severity of the punishment of losing two ranks. He compared his situation to another sergeant's disciplinary response. The other sergeant was disciplined with suspension after getting into an argument with another officer for saying, for saying, if you have a problem, we can take it outside and only get it suspended. Sergeant White Power was arguing that the other sergeant who threatened physical harm was worse compared to himself for only saying words. He also com commented that he had worked almost 10 years to obtain the rank of sergeant. It's not the loss of pay that bothers him, but the loss of rank. He worked hard to become the type of sergeant that his subordinates were happy to work for, page three. He had, he had crappy managers who worked very hard to be a good manager for the sake of his subordinates. A jail is a hard, dark place to work. And because of that, he does his best to find humor in a bad, tough, traumatic situation. He called it gallows humor. He explains gallows humor, but I looked it up on my phone as well. Wikipedia defines it as black comedy, also known as black humor, dark humor, dark comedy, morbid humor, or gallows humor. It's a style of comedy that might light, that makes light of subject matter that is generally considered taboo, particularly subjects that are normally considered serious, serious or painful to discuss. After he was done explaining himself, I asked questions. What did you mean by white power? He explained that he had recently learned back in 2019 that, that the OK hands gesture was co-opted by racists and that he was merely using his interaction with Sergeant Middle East as a, learning, as a learning and corrective moment. He also explained that what he said was dumb and that he should have taken Sergeant Middle East to the side or to correct him in private. Note, in the confidential binder given to the panelists before this hearing, it contained articles from 2019 talking about how the OK gesture was co-opted by white supremacists as a hate symbol. Is it possible that Sergeant Middle East misunderstood you? He said, I don't think so. Have you played the punching game before? He said no. Then I reminded him that Sergeant Middle East said that he played the punching game with him. Is Sergeant Middle East misremembering? He said, I haven't played the punching game with anyone since I learned it had, has become a racist symbol back in 2019. Do you perceive Sergeant Middle East as white? He said, Sergeant Middle East was raised in, a, um, raised in the Middle East and that his parents adopted him. He said that they have even hung out a couple times outside of work. I asked the question again, do you perceive Sergeant Middle East as white? He said, yes. No. Just seeing Sergeant Middle East and not knowing his name, you would have assumed he is a white male. When I told my wife of this question in Sergeant White Power's response, my wife said, you should have asked him if you would have said white power if Sergeant Middle East was black. After that, I was done with my questions. Afterwards, one of the black females on the panel did ask white, oh, Sergeant White Power about how saying white Power is meant to be a joke. Finally, it was time for the closing remarks and questions for jail administrator White Male. During the jail administrator's closing remarks, he commented that his initial reaction to the situation was termination of Sergeant White Power, referring to the employee handbook section about termination for conduct unbecoming. He was grateful that the prisoners didn't hear Sergeant White Power say White Power because it could have led to a prison riot and Sergeant White Power being labeled a racist. He also said that they do not want to cross the color line in the jail. Note, 
Before the grievance hearing, Sergeant White Power did petition management to present his demotion, including Major Black Male Major Zarenk, who upheld the demotion, and Assistant County Administrator White Male, who offered Sergeant White Power one level of demotion to corporal instead of two levels to, um, to, um, to officer, but Sergeant White Power declined because he wanted to be reinstated to sergeant. Then I asked questions of management. If they were aware of the punching, um, if they were aware of the punching game, Major Black Male said yes, and Jail Administrator White Male said no. Why did Assistant County Administrator White Male offer to reduce Sergeant White Power's punishment? Jail Administrator White Male said he did not know. Why didn't you proceed with termination? Jail, um, Jail Administrator White Male said that I've known Sergeant White Power for almost 10 years. In the time I've known him, he's been a hard worker and he's never had a disciplinary action. After hearing more details of the incident, he decided to not terminate. So, no white sacrifice confusion. I asked that if the prison, if the prisons would have labeled Sergeant White Power as a racist for saying white power, would, would you not call him a racist as well? He said no, because there's nothing in his history to suggest that he's a racist. Note, at some point, jail administrator White male went on to say that before the Rona, the jail had about 850 prisoners and now has 1,000 prisoners. I thought jails were releasing people due to the Rona. And at one point, he referred to the prisoners as these people. After everyone was dismissed, the panel was left to render a recommendation. I recommended for termination, but attorney White male said he couldn't do that because the panel was only there to render a recommendation based on a decision that management had already made. Note, during the hearing, as I, as I was asking questions, Attorney White Male was making sounds and snickering as if to say, of course you have questions, nigger. The only recommendation we could make was, was to uphold management's decision to demote to officer, the assistant county administrator White Male's decision to demote to corporal, or reinstatement to sergeant. By unanimous, unanimous decision, we recommended to uphold management's decision to demote the, um, to officer, along with the recommendation to prohibit the punching game at work because the okay gesture used to play the game was has been co-opted by white supremacists. Note, Sergeant White Power can pursue promotion after one year from being punished. All recommendations are now left to the county administrator, white male. I did ask attorney white male if county administrator could make a different decision from our recommendation by termination, and he said no, as the decision had already been made in the form of a demotion, and to fire him for requesting a grievance hearing would be unfair. Note, I can't tell you how many times the word fair was used during this hearing. Determining after the fact would lead to would lead to a potential lawsuit for which Attorney White Mill said Sergeant White Power would have a legitimate lawsuit. The panel members await a final court to sign off on their recommendation. And that Wow. Context of white. Uh oh. Make sure I'm being. Let's see. Context of white supremacy. Uh oh. Hmm. Let's see. Are you able to. Uh, everyone can hear me? Am I. Y'all are picking me up okay? I can hear you. Oh, okay. Awesome. Uh, number one, my condolences to non-Clemson grad, the loss of your grandfather. It has been lots of losses this year. Grandparents are very important. Right on to Miss Seifer, 
going to visit family uh, while they are here. But uh, condolences to the family. Lots of losses in 2020. Um, what a report. I'm not sure that we've had someone who has participated in a grievance situation, much less from, I guess, the side where you are adjudicating the grievance here and, and trying to make sense of all this like that is oh wow that unprecedented again so uh so it seemed like there were a number of black people on this grievance panel uh, including yourself which is particularly interesting seeing that as we get to the end and find out that you all are not really empowered to make decisions the decision has already been made you all are just here either to uphold that decision or you can reinstate him completely. Like, wow, we are very limited, making it seem like black people are in charge. Not at all. Uh, then let's see. Now, the punching game, he says, these are enforcement officials. This sounds like something you would be doing in like middle school. Sit like 11, 12 year olds are doing some. Oh, you flinch. Bam. I punch you. I mean, this is a grown man. Like somebody, Come on. Come on. We have talked for years about all of the shenanigans. Horseplay in the workplace, they call it. Apparently, this sort of thing is so widespread. They even got this in the fire department. They had one. We did a report. It was some fire crew. They had to have no horseplay. No tomfoolery in the workplace. This sort of thing. No punching games. In the, I thought that's assault. And apparently this is widespread. It's not like this is, you know, just one or two people who do this. You can ask folks. Oh, yeah. I know about the punching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be professional. I cannot emphasize that enough. Emmy talked about that in terms of having your workplace demeanor. You're professional. You don't allow whites to have you, you know, lose your composure, being really emotional part of that would also just be the daily way that I conduct myself. Like I said, I'm not here to gossip, you know, not here to watch television. I'm not here to shoot dice, play cards. No nonsense. I'm here to work, be competent, stellar at my job. I'm not here to play the punching game. And that sort of thing with white people, you got to be joking. Nothing uh, where there is physical. This is the day of the Rona. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? We're not supposed to be doing handshakes and y'all around here. Oh, I get the punch. Nah, certainly nothing where this is like physical violence, putting it in a nah, 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 not into any of that. Uh, I don't know what's funny about saying white power in a work context. Now, when they get serious to talk about racism, you can't pay a white person to say white power. It's white privilege. Microaggressions. Racia, you can't pay Peggy McIntosh and Tim Wise and Jane Elliott and Robin D'Angelo to say white power. We got white fragility and all kinds of nonsense. But now when it's, it's joke time, when it's tomfoolery, to, white power. <laughs> What's funny about that? Excellent time to just stay in the question. That's what the whole quote unquote grievance process is about, even though I'm not a fan of that term for workplace. Asking questions, not a time. I want to take the next five minutes to talk about white power. 
That's not what this is about. Just asking questions, trying to figure out what is the humor in white power? Even Miss C hopped it. Would you have said white power if the other officer were a black person? And just see what he said. Would it have been termination if maybe some of the inmates had heard this? And said, hey, we got a racist working here. Now, would that have been cause for termination? Questions, 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 questions. You see the other pattern? It doesn't matter what that white person does. They are not a racist. Called him a nigger. Eh, eh. Think he had a noose in the closet. Eh, eh. Is that a clan hood in the trunk? Eh, eh. He contributed $50,000 to Dylan Storm Roost Fund. I've known him for a long time. You know, he has lots of friends. He visits with everyone. I just don't. Uh, I don't think he's a racist, you know, I just uh, I don't think that's it's standard. They I think every white person has that as their code by like 10. That's the I just don't think she's a racist. You know, I know she said nigger 50 times. I know they killed a black person. I know she called President Obama a coon, but I just don't. <sighs> yeah, white power is bad. Yeah, it, it looks really bad. But I just don't I don't think he's a racist. Let's see. Crossing the color line. I don't know what that means there there either. That would have been another like cross the color line. What? What? Talk about not going to play semantics with you. Love that we got the data. They had what he said, 850 inmates in this part of South Carolina. Long live Ben Tillman. And then now we got a thousand. I thought I thought they said we were doing marijuana legalization, cannabis legalization and the Rona getting folks out of jail. Get them out of here. You know, Rona, no ventilation, going to get sick. Not in South Carolina. Packing and get in there. Get in there. Probably lots of black people. These people. We will continue to pack these people into the prisons. The Walter Scott's and all, you know. Stunning. Uh, let's see. He said context. I heard context mentioned quite a bit in there, too. They were plugging for the program. It was going to be termination. But then when they got the context. Second thought, we'll just demote him. Give him a chance to earn those stripes back over a few years of good behavior. Uh, let's see. And the use of fair, that's another one I pointed out. I would actually strike that term out on forums now because there's so much more attention to words, it seems like. We're not going to use fair uh, if we're talking about treating someone correctly or being logical. We're not going to use the word fair. But I am not surprised. White power, we go from joking with white power. Now we're serious. We got to be fair about things now you know we can't just terminate this man he's not a racist or a bigot you know we want everyone to have a second opportunity to do well let's be fair about this indeed context of white supremacy long live pitchfork ben tillman pride of south carolina 
Uh, much obliged, non-Clemson grad. That is, uh, wow, the grievance procedure. Glad we got that included in the workplace racism. I don't think we've had that uh, before. If they have this in your workplace, you might even be preemptive about that. If they have any of these little tacky, crude, savage rituals, uh, well, oh, punch, but prowl, and you get to hit somebody in the workplace or call them and they might be something to, I mean, we got the Rona and everything. That's unnecessary contact. We're supposed to be distancing and the violence in the workplace. That's the way I'd bring it back to. Isn't that encouraging violence in the workplace? Is that, is the punching game, is that helping us be more productive and have a courteous, what's my word, safe environment? Really, you could just leave it with the Rona. Like they said, no handshakes. It can't be. It cannot be social distance for me to come and put a fist on you. No office hijinks. If they want to cut a fool and come in and act crazy and do all that, that's on them. You are not participating in any of that. I've even seen they had a. We had a non-white female. She reported that the white people she worked with, they had a basketball hoop. Uh, one of those uh, Nerf ones, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's in, so in indoor type thing. It's soft, so it won't break everything. And it's got the suction cups. So you can stick it on a wall or whatever. And she said they would play, and they're knocking stuff, you know, off the uh, off the desk, knocking pen holders and staplers off, right, pow, <laughs> trying to make bank shots and stuff, knocking things off people's desks who are not even into all this playing. Like, what? Is this a fraternity house or are we here to work? Like, what is going Do not participate in the tomfoolery in the workplace. Be serious. Get a reputation for being. So when it's performance review time, it's, hey, we got people that are coming in, cracking white power jokes and playing, you know, tricks and pranks on people. I'm serious. I'm here to work. You bet you I'm a five. Context of white supremacy. Uh, the number again, seven one, excuse me, seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Other folks, uh, if you have a hand up, commentary to share, proceed. Oh, much obliged. Thank you for at least letting me know. Let's see. Hi, Gus. Yes, ma'am. Be in Toronto. Yes, I wanted to add one more thing. Um, There was a a particular opportunity that I wanted um, my friend uh, who is a black male to um, to take part in. And it's more of a cautionary tale um, as I, I ended up leaving quite disappointed um, that the opportunity wasn't taken. Um, as part of my code, what I've 
decided to do is whenever there's an opportunity for an opening, um, I will uh, refer um, a black male or black female um, to be a, a potential candidate um, into that particular position. And what I've noticed over time, and this is with both helping out black male and black female, is that from time to time, when those positions come up, and I would urge and say, please give me your resume so that I can send it in because I, I have that foot in the door um, with, with getting straight to the source for the, the hiring personnel. Uh, sometimes, for whatever reason, and, it could, and, and this is where uh, patience and understanding comes in, for whatever reason, um, it's, it's not being handed in. Um, what I would urge is if there's an opportunity uh, and and you find that it's an opportunity that is going to be beneficial, please do not wait. Um, definitely go for it. Send in, in your, send in your resume. If you're not quite sure or if you need help with the resume, say something so that, because I would help or or um, you can, there's, there's many different programs online that can actually uh, craft your resume for you as well. But hand it in and go for it. Actually take the opportunity because the opportunities are few and far between. And thank you, I leave the line. Much obliged, uh, be in Toronto. I have heard that from a few other folks, either difficulties in constructing their resume. I know we do have some cows listeners where they, uh, help people construct resumes and get that sort of thing done, get them, you know, typed up and properly formatted, all that good stuff. Uh, but I've heard that from a number, uh, of folks, uh, either not having it together, not having the resume polished, difficulty getting it submitted uh, really I'd say it's 2020 uh, try to get as much of that stuff uh, on a thumb drive if you have uh, a computer uh, wow they have like all kinds of things YouTube tutorials and everything if you need assistance getting your resume together speak up that certainly would be something always worth mentioning workplace racism because there are cows listeners as i just said who you know help get those type of things constructed uh and really that's the type of thing once you kind of get the basic format it's really simple you know it's just a little bit of typing here there delete this change your date or so make sure the fonts are correct and everything we're really kind of once you get it there it's not too difficult to just make an adjustment here or there, make an edit if you need to add something or that type of thing. But just having it saved, get it on a thumb drive, get it in the cloud somewhere where it's you know easily accessible. Uh, just 2020, that should not be the type of thing that is a hindrance. Uh, we got lots and lots of problems, just fresh air. Lots of problems uh, in the system of racism. Uh, being able to get that resume together or proper documents that you need uh, should not be one. Anything like that, I'd say like resume. Sometimes it might be if it's uh, certain certifications and that type of thing that you, you might need for your field that you'll need to prove. Uh, if it's licensing, if it's a passport, whatever it is, get a thumb drive. Put all of that stuff there. Get a cloud, whatever it is. If you've got two or three computers, fantastic. Get it saved and, and put it on a drive where it'll be easily accessible. 
uh, wherever you happen to be, put it so you can get it at your phone, wherever, but just that should not be a hindrance and try to train younger folks. She was talking about her offspring, her son, uh, be in Toronto. Uh, if you have younger folks, try to train them in that way so that they'll just have any of those documents, uh, easily accessible. That will not be a hindrance. Uh, if it comes time, a job opportunity, somebody wants to check over your portfolio, like, Hey, seem like you got some great ideas. We might have a promotion or something lined up for you. Whammo. Here you go. Much obliged to be in Toronto. Uh, if let's see other folks who dialed in, if you have either suggestions, uh, comments, Codification that has worked well, we always need. Uh, feel free to share. Grand will. I guess folks might be spectating or getting their thoughts together. We'll be here tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific for the compensatory call-in. Can hear you, ma'am. We'll be here tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific for the compensatory call-in. We'll review what has gone down the last seven days or so uh, on the plantation. So tune in there. And I think we should be here for the Sunday, uh, Global Sunday Talk on racism this Sunday as well. That'll be 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific. Uh, yes, ma'am, we could hear you. Uh, did you have commentary, questions for workplace racism? Just a report. Um, it actually happened just today earlier. Um, and my apologies earlier, I was muted and talking, didn't realize. Uh, good evening to everyone. Um, I really appreciate the program and always learned something even when i don't agree with everything i hear i always learned something and today um listening came in handy because i've been working remotely since the building was closed in march and um we're getting ready to go back but i I do um i work with teenagers and i was giving a usual presentation and giving the same type of presentation for about four weeks and it's done remotely via um, one of the platforms, similar to Zoom, but not Zoom. And um, for the first time, and since I've been giving the presentation, some of it, and it's a big group, it's about 44 teenagers, um, of age ranging from 14 to all the way up to 19. And it's been going quite well. I actually was enjoying it for quite some time. But today, it got a little rowdy towards the end of the presentation. And it appeared that a teenager had entered the um, the platform in a way that was not through the um, the organization. Because when they enter through the organization, they're given a specific tag. Like you can tell that they're there; they're meant to be there. We have a feature called lobby, where they can't just enter because of the whole Zoom bombing thing. They have to wait in the lobby, and then I have to approve them to come in. Um, and usually, because it's been four weeks and I start to recognize names, I just approve them all. But um, some one of the teenagers decided to just start making loud noises, which <laughs> was surprising to me because this hasn't happened in four weeks since we've been doing this um, this presentation. And so I, you know, I felt that didn't throw me off at first. I just hit mute all. I gave them a warning first. I said, "All right, since we're going to act like." 
elementary age students. I'm going to go ahead and mute all. We're not going to be able to use the audio feature. I'm going to mute all. They have the ability to unmute themselves. And so this person was persistent. This teenager kept unmuting. So I had to keep muting in order to maintain the presentation. They weren't saying anything specific, just making loud noises. So I guess they got tired of having to keep unmuting and they left and then they rejoined. But this time when they rejoined, they could be seen in the lobby. And because I happened to be sharing my screen, that means all of the teenagers who were viewing my screen could see what the lobby said. And the name that the person chose to use, that you could tell they had entered out of the organization because it said guest in parentheses, and they decided to name themselves nigger. So <laughs> in my past, I have been quite confused about racism, quite, quite, quite confused. At one point, didn't even realize that it was such a thing. And then within the past six years, I've become more and more aware and listening to this program has made me recognize it. But I have to say this is the first time that it was just in my face direct what was happening. And, or, or at least that I recognize it. I'm sure it's happened a bunch of times and I never recognized it before. But this one I couldn't miss. I happened to be recording this presentation because I record them all the time and I let the students know it gives them a warning. I happened to be recording it. I had the wherewithal because I've been listening to this program and listening to the callers who are so, so intelligent and they recommend that you document and they recommend that you're calm, you take a breather. So when I saw that, I stopped and I had forgotten that I was recording. So I said, let me get a screenshot. And on the recording, I can hear myself saying these things out loud. Shot. And then I continued. I said, you know, my apologies, guys. This is what it is now in the United States. Sometimes you get exposed to inappropriate things. It is what it is. And then I tried to wrap up the presentation without, you know, being too abrupt, still giving them the full, the, the full presentation that they needed. And then I exited. And I think I was only able to remain calm like that and, and make sure to get the, the screenshot because I've listened to this program so many times and listened to the tips of the different callers. Um, that part didn't quite throw me because teenagers will do silly things and racists are very persistent and blatant right now. What threw me off was I had to figure out who to send this to because my concern was whoever's viewing this, I don't want them to say that I didn't do anything and then it impacts my job. So I said, who do I need to report this to? And I emailed the executive secretary and I said, I didn't, I was listening, I was telling myself things I've heard on this program, like stick to the facts, just ask questions, don't give any color commentary. So I emailed the executive secretary, who is a white female, and I simply said, and I had to rewrite the email because I would start by saying, um, this incident happened, uh, da, 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 and I said, no, I don't need to say all of that. Let me just ask the question. Who is the person who I should report an, um, an inappropriate incident to? That's what I ended up with. It was one sentence, but I had to rewrite it several times, talking myself through it. The person responded, do you know what um, age and grade level the student was? I said, unfortunately, I cannot pinpoint the student itself, but I have a screenshot, I have a video, um, and it was a mixed group. And then they gave me a name of who I should report it to. So I get ready to report it. 
And I had happened to contact a black male that I work with who's hot, who has been very helpful on the job and um, is in contact with the superiors more frequently than I am. So they, that black male knows the ins and outs of the job. And I had said to him, you know, this thing, I was more explicit with him. I said, this thing happened. Um, who should I contact? And he told me, he said, go ahead and contact the person the executive secretary did, but also CC this other person. So the person that executive secretary told me to contact is a person classified as a Hispanic, but they look white to me, but they sound like a Hispanic. So I don't know. I live in a confusing part of the world with all these other categories. Um, and the, the black male told me to, in addition to emailing that person, also CC a Hispanic male who is of a darker complexion because he has a higher position, more authority. So I sent the email. I CC'd them both. I got it was almost like an auto reply. Within three minutes, I got a response back from the white female, the white Hispanic female, saying, "There's not really much we can do about this, but I will see if I can talk with the administrators. Have a wonderful and safe weekend." <laughs> and I was just thinking to myself, I had a screenshot. I included the screenshot. I included the entire recording, and I said. Please go to the 40-minute mark. You will see when the incident takes place. And one of the students who was on the call had emailed me and said, Miss, this was not me. I know it looked like it was me, but it wasn't. Please don't. And I, said, and I had emailed that student. I'm going to forward the information to the administrators. They'll take it from here. So I included all of that, the student's email, the screenshot, the recording. And I got a reply within three minutes with this white female Hispanic saying, there's not really much we can do about this, but I'll have a conversation with such and such and see what we can do. So that was the part that made me say, you know what, don't sit on this, call it in because I've listened to this program so many times and I've benefited from the program so many times. Let me share what happened because this was obviously blatant teenage white racism. They were so insistent that they had to be racist. They had to figure out a way. They did the mute thing. That didn't work. So then they had to join as a guest with nigger. They had to make sure that they got the racism in today. And then with the response from the person I was told to email um, so quickly. Obviously, she didn't watch the video. I don't even know if she clicked on any of the, the, the screenshots to see what had taken place, and yet there's not much that they could do. So I said, let me call that in, and, you know, I, I appreciate you allowing me to share, and um, I have decided that I'm just not doing this presentation anymore. I'm just going to, um, instead of going on live with these students, even though I was enjoying it, I really was, I'm not doing it because if there's really nothing they can do, I'm not going to subject myself to that and then feel guilty about what about the black students that are on this presentation and they're looking at their black female teacher not really addressing it. I don't want to be in that position, so I'm not doing the presentation anymore. And whatever they decide to do, if they ever investigate it, that will be on, on them. And, um, yeah, that's my report, and uh, thank you for allowing me to share. I'm going to mute my line. Context of white supremacy. Can't do anything about it. We are just as helpless as a newborn baby. Now, if this is working with young folks, children, they say, and he had come on and this wasn't racism. Let's say his screen name wasn't Nick. We'll take racism out of it completely. But if he had come on and it had just been, you know, bag this and you know queer that 
and you went had a screenshot recording on the net they would have said oh man it sure is a shame nothing we can do about that have a blessed day that's the response in 2020 okay and even for that if if i could add it I'm, i'm sorry but because you mentioned the lgbt We've had so many trainings, so many resources that I know if it had been an LGBT issue, they would have had a whole team to meet with those students, counsel them. They would have given me a whole bunch of resources. They would have investigated it. I know that that response would not have been the same had it been an LGBT issue. And I'll mute again. Sorry about the interruption. That is my suspicion. You know, I could be wrong. I'm told frequently i'm a pretty ignorant coon myself which could be true so but i don't think that's how they would respond if it had been something else somebody had came on there you know i don't like females i'm a patriarch spill some toxic black masculinity in here i think they would have had a different response nigger and all the oh yeah i don't i don't think that's racism you know that's uh that sure is regrettable. They don't even get. We'll check on the security measures. If anything, I would think the parents. This is one I've seen enough. It's been so many of these. They just had one in Chicago just this week. Let me see if I can find it. Where is it at? I said all we did all year long is draw penises, practice racism, brawl in the streets uh, over toilet paper, face masks and dead black people. That's about all we did in 2020. They had a report in the Chicago Tribune, porn, guns, and racism. Days into the new school year, virtual classrooms have been disrupted by hackers and pranksters. They don't say racist. See, The first Chromebook wasn't working, so Valerie Carroll went back to the school and got a new one. The replacement worked, but the first week of remote learning, her daughter's class at Chicago's Nicholson Elementary was derailed by imagery of pornography and guns. The kids were in the class and all of a sudden you see porn. You see things they shouldn't see, Carol said. They learned about porn, guns, threats, when they should have been learning about science, math, literacy. They go on to talk about that. I didn't see on here where they say, oh, it's nothing we can do about that. Sorry. I didn't see anything about that. We take this seriously. We're going to do everything that we can to make sure this doesn't happen again. That's generally what they say, even though this type of thing has been every day, all day long, dating back to March or whenever the Rona got to stateside. It's just been this every day and even beyond the school stuff. They said workplace has been the same thing. Disrupt in, put a penis on your head. Nigger this, and we can't do anything. Sorry. Uh, if the school wants to tell you, there's so many ways that you can go on this one because you got the recording. You could even apologize to the parents and encourage them to report this to the proper school officials to see that they have or that they ensure a safer that word <laughs> safe, safe. Who is who are the people that oppose safety? Who are the people that oppose safety for children? That's the way I would just keep coming back. It wouldn't even have to do anything with racism. Just this happened. Screenshot video. I'd encourage you to contact school officials 
about ensuring the safety of your child's learning environment. And see if they tell those parents, oh man, nothing we can do about that. Have a blessed day. I don't think so. I think they're going to tell them, we take this serious. We will do everything that we can to make sure this doesn't happen again. I think that's probably going to be the closer to what they say to a parent. And then she said the timing too. They didn't even think about it. I didn't have to take a minute. I didn't have to take an hour. I didn't have to take 30 minutes. I had to take five minutes to think about this. Nigger reports she was called nigger and disrupted the chat. Hmm. Nothing we can do about that. Sorry about that, nigger. Have a blessed day. Lots of different ways that you can handle that one to get that taken. Like I said, I think the parents, if they find out, I think you probably get four or five white moms and boop, that problem will be knocked out before we get to Monday morning. Uh, I know we have a lot of uh, educators and folks who've had to use uh, Zoom and all the teleconferencing uh, software for I don't, probably the last six months or so. Uh, if folks have any suggestions about how you would handle that. Uh, this is another one. You can probably check policy and procedure, both because schools, I am sure, uh, have policy and procedure about using that sort of language in the classroom and what should be done about that. And the updated policy and procedure, as I just said, this has been so widespread. I am sure you got all this remote learning and children on the screen time. I'm pretty sure there are some new policies and procedures about appropriate conduct online. If it's not up today, give it another month. I bet it will be what's supposed to happen. They will have a procedure. There's no way you're going to tell me a school. That's our professional written. And oh me, she emailed back. That's gold. Our professional written policy is someone comes on a teleconference that is a part of our academic program, nigger and all the rest of it. Tough noogies, tough world. This will toughen them up when they get out. You know, you can't just can't just mute everybody in the real world. Somebody might call you a nigger on the street. What are you going to do? Mute them. (laughs) All righty. Just write that down so that everybody knows. And they already did. So if we have any educators, uh, I feel like this is an easy one to get resolved. Like you'd have so many, so many options just because you have the uh, recordings, you have the evidence that this did happen and everything. Uh, if we have any educators, any, any thoughts, suggestions about other ways that you might want to uh, deal with this? I said easy letter to the parents might be one contacting a more powerful white person uh, in the school. Uh, setting to address what should be done, confronting policy and procedure. Any other suggestions about how they would handle the situation? We'll see if folks have any thoughts as we uh, proceed. Uh, Folks are spectating or marinating or paying attention to other things no problem we'll wrap things up early if they have other things on their mind to think about let's see emmy did you have any suggestions about this situation or your own situation to address i actually did want to comment um can i be heard just make sure yes ma'am okay wonderful greetings everyone um I don't know what you what you're teaching, what the course is that you were doing online. Um, 
and I'm, I'm making an assumption that it's not only to white students that you have, because I think you said it's a mixed bunch, so you have non-white students that you are presenting this information to as well. And I, I can understand you saying you don't want to teach the course anymore or present the information anymore. However, I would like to just offer up the possibility of maybe you still presenting the course or teaching it or whatever. I mean, if the thing is over and y'all aren't doing it anymore, then that's one thing. But if it's just, I don't want to do it because this terrorist came on and tried to terrorize me and the other students and then came back into the lobby with nigger as their name, um, I would encourage you to think about the other non-white students that you are presenting that information to. Why do I say this? In my particular line of work, um, with the at-risk youth, traumatized abuse, all that, coming from very rural parts of Virginia, West Virginia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, um, they use nigger all the time. And in moments when that's happening, of course, I address it depending on the situation. So, you know, if a peer is calling another peer nigger or something like that, um, and if they think they're going to try to call me nigger, I address that. Or if they're just using it, I address it. So I have to address it differently given the situation. Um, and I would offer up potentially considering how you would address it with the students. You guys pretty much turning it into a learning opportunity for the non-white students that you do have access to. Because I think if you like it, if you love what you do, um, I, I wouldn't let that person keep you from being an asset and beneficial to the students who you were benefiting. And uh, so, and then um, as far as how to rectify that situation, in terms of, I think Gus, in terms, you know, what to do, I think Gus offered a great suggestion. Um, and I would definitely... Uh, take, you know, take that advice and forgive me. I was distracted because there was a really bad accident. I'm on my way to work. I'm going to wrap this up because I'm probably going to lose service and I don't know where I'm at and I'm in the boonies. But really all I wanted to say is if you love what you do, keep doing it and benefiting the non-white students. Um, they shouldn't have to suffer. I'm sorry that that happened to you. This is a system of racism, white supremacy. But don't let that little terrorist win. That's pretty much just what I wanted to say. If I can get service later, hopefully y'all can still hear me. I will try to chime back in. Um, but thank you all for your for listening to me. Uh, can I follow up to what she said? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I just want to thank her for um, for her comments because uh, some of the things she's expressed in previous. Uh, programs have been just so lucid and, and helpful. But um, I just wanted to clarify that we are going back to the building in about a week and a half. I think the projected date is October 5th. So when I say I'm not going to do the presentation, I don't mean that I will not um, teach this course. This course is considered what's called an elective. I do teach core courses, but this year I got the selective, which you get to be more flexible with it. So the kids show up, they're enthusiastic, they enjoy it. And what Emmy said about um, not letting one or whatever, one apple spoil the bunch or, or affect those students, it, it does um, resonate. And since this just happened to me today, I think that I might be a little bit still in the feelings of it. 
Um, and because I know they were enjoying this, the class, I was saying, okay, the whole is going to have to suffer for the one. Like, everybody's getting punished. I'm not doing this anymore um, if this is how they're going to do it until we get back to the building, which is in a week and a half. That's a little different. When it's face-to-face, and especially in these times, it will be much easier to regulate um, uh, teenage behavior. But th- th- through this virtual format, it just kind of took me by surprise. But the comment that, that she made about um, continuing on for the benefit of the other students, it does um, resonate, and I'm going to really think on that. And the, the suggestion you made about um, contacting the parents, I may not contact the parents directly because the parents in this district uh, this district already has a magnifying glass on it. I don't want to say too much because it would be easy to figure out exactly where I work, but there's already a lot of attention here, and I'm not interested in being a scapegoat for any causes or anything like that. But I definitely do want those students who look like me and all the students, really, who, who want to be there for the right reasons to benefit. So I'm going to think about how I can address it in a way where the students can decide if they want to move forward. Because um, in addition to the live um, sessions, there's a platform that we use where students can go on and they can see the coursework, they can see the syllabus, they can see the agenda. So what I may do is revamp that page and just put a, a, a note on it commenting on what occurred and why for the next week and a half we won't be meeting live because of this incident and um, I'm, I'm going to think on it and see if maybe that's how to address it. Instead of doing a parent letter and generating a lot of issues, I, I'll probably post something on, on the page that they can look at. And then if the students feel like they want to take up the cause, um, maybe that might make them feel a little bit more empowered. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is one thing that concerns me is we do have a lot of policies and procedures, and they, they're in flux right now, like, one of the policies was, they, or I'm sorry, not a policy, but a best practice that they suggested was that when you share your screen as a presenter, do not share the entire screen, just share the window that you're presenting on. And I usually do this, but in that moment, because I was trying to do several things at once, I thought it would be easier to just share my entire desktop. And so that was why the viewers were able to also see the lobby. So that is why I kind of hesitate because I'm wondering, I'm trying to see, am I going to be dinged for having shared my entire thing so that the students could then see the the other student entering the lobby as nigger? (laughs) Am I going to be penalized for that because they did put out this best practice? It's not in the policies and procedures because it's still too new, but it was a best practice that they did put out. I think if it wasn't district-wide, it was at least for my building. Um, So that that, that just wanted to... um, I hope I'm not talking too much, but uh, thank you for that suggestion, and thank you, um, Gus, also for the suggestion of maybe reaching out to the students directly or the parents, because definitely in my district, when the parents decide that they want to move forward on something, it tends to get a lot of attention and quickly get you know, nipped in the bud, and I just didn't really want to bring all of that down on myself. I was hoping to handle it within my building, and I'm still waiting to see how the Hispanic male that's of a darker complexion, how he responds, because he didn't even respond. He was copied on the email. Um, the white Hispanic female responded immediately, and she's of a lower rank, so to speak. So perhaps the Hispanic male may have, um, you know, a better solution. And I'm going to 
I'm pretty sure uh, either some of the white parents or some of your white colleagues uh, at this school environment can come up with like spectacularly better, like effective solutions to get this nipped in the bud immediately. Um, white people know how to solve problems. Like I said, those white moms, all you need is one or two of those white soccer moms. Find out about this. It doesn't have to be, you know, someone needs to be fired. Just our children's safety. Let's make sure that we have proper uh, Internet security protocol so that this sort of disruption to the academic environment doesn't continue. That's all. White people know how to think it. That sort of thing they can get done in like 10 minutes. Where's the IT guy? Let's get this. Any other folks have suggestions uh, for our educator? Great. If you think of anything, let us know. Important one. Uh, the disruptions to those uh, Zoom chats and calls that has been all year long. Probably had to develop some codification. All right. We already had some suggestions, but that's kind of a new one. The, the person is just coming in to make noise and call you a nigger and all the rest of it. Uh, that is, a, they normally have better protocols, right? For you can block the disruptions and all that. But anywho, the number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Other folks dialed in if you have a hand up. Commentary to share. Line should be open. Can I be heard? Emmy still has signal. Well, I had to take a detour. Um, let me not take too long to even say this in case I lose the signal. I managed to get around it, but back here I really never have signal, which is why I can never really chime in or call. But I wanted to give you all an update, and I'll make it really quick. So um, I didn't, for for my situation, um, and I had contacted corporate, um, and she wanted to talk, and I did, I don't want to talk. And so I just thanked her for reaching back out or, you know, responding to me. And I just wanted to make her aware because I had other people CC'd on it too. And my original intention for sending that email was to let everyone know I have no problem finding out who's above you and reaching out to them too. And that I document and write everything. That was my original purpose because the people, the people who are above me at my current location, I don't trust them to do right by me. So I needed other people to, you know, oversee what's going on. And that was my original intent. So that's how I left it. And then the HR director at my current location has continuously, like, she kept finding things. It was amazing. You know, she's like, oh, you need to send in this form to get, so we can pull your background check. And you're late for your TB test. And you're late for this. And I was, I don't recall, I have no idea where any of that stuff came from.
uh, baby with her language, you need to do this, you need to do that, you must do this, you must do that. Listen, not going to get me out of character, okay? And you're not about to drain my energy with your racist, vampirical tactics. I see through you. So I will do whatever, like, I'm supposed to do as part of my job and get your evil eye off of me. And then the house manager started with some nonsense about picking up overtime because I did. Someone had asked me to pick up. And I had agreed. And then she's like, well, you need to let me know or I have to approve it. So I just it again on my day off or my time off in a text message. So I responded, is that the policy and procedure? So she sent me an email that copy and pasted the policy and procedure. And then I said, okay, fine. You will know me to be serious about my work to be professional at all times, and to follow policy and procedure. You're not going to bait me. You're not going to move me. And I'm not giving in, period. And that's my stance. So if this is what it took for them to feel how I show up, Are you still with us? Still there? Still there? Not hearing you. Not hearing you. Uh, Looks like I'm still connected to the switchboard, so I think it might be M. She might have lost her signal. (sighs) She said so. Hopefully we'll be able to get her. Uh, back in on the line. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to nab her back when she uh, gets her signal uh, back together. Uh, but same thing with those folks when they try to do that. She had started telling us about that on the compensatory call in. I played the audio at the beginning of the program today, uh, where it's oh man, I'm trying to come to address one problem to get one thing taken care of, and it's oh man, got this uppity. Negra here looks like you don't even have your TB shot. Oh, and you don't have your insurance. Oh, and you don't have this. I've seen that before where all of these, even if it's true, right? Even if I don't have, you know, what I need, if I don't have this form filled out, or I don't have this shot or whatever it is. Uh, due process would not be to wait until I got on your nerves until I picked out something that is incorrect and you want to retaliate it. Oh man, you don't even have all of your proper paperwork filed and you could be suspended right now. Cause you're not a client. Do pro- why wasn't I made aware of this beforehand? That'd be another question. Why do we wait until right now to note that I'm not in compliance because I don't have, you know, my TV shot and whatever else it is. Another one. She just, as she said, not allowing them to have you, out of character, lose your composure, you need to take a few breaths, step away, go to the restroom, go sit in your car, whatever it is, get a drink of water. And then try to think of some questions. Best way to proceed, but they will do that, especially if you've been stellar, exemplary employee. 
doing great work, maybe even pointed out a problem or two. Oh, my goodness. This coon. Uppity nigra here. Lots of that. We've heard that before, too. Uh, other folks who dialed in, I'll keep an eye out for Emmy if she can get her signal back. Other folks who dialed in while we wait, if you have thoughts, comments to share, should be with us. Can I be heard? Uh, yes, ma'am. Cool. Hi. Good evening, everyone. Um, just want to give like, an update. I think I called in last week. I think so. I could be incorrect. But yeah, um, my, son st- my son started school, online schooling. Last week he was getting like one assignment per day. Then this week it improved. He was getting more assignments. Um, but I ended up having to um, go to the school actually. So uh, on Monday, like 18 pages and um it was in like a, a workbook that we didn't have uh in a packet which the school has not received and that work was due on that day midnight that day so i'm like you know how can this work that you that you give that we don't have access to but the students that go to the school have access to like how how can you you know assign a work like that anyways you know, I reached out to the school, reached out to the teacher, um, gave them my information. Finally, she called me back. I brought to her attention, you know, uh, um, you assigned a work that I don't have that resource. You know, like, what do you expect me to do? Um, is it something that I can pick up today, a packet that I can pick up today? She told me that she speak to the principal. She um, spoke to the principal. She called me back. She said, um, the pack. Packets will not be in until Friday, and um, that since I since I since I reached out to her, you know, she won't, won't uh, mark it against my son because I reached out against her. Reach out, um, reach out to her. Um, now it's Tuesday. She assigned another another assignment, which is from a packet which, which we don't have. Um, you know, she has. Also assign something um, online because you have to do like you, they they give you like uh, you have to like log into something using like the, uh, the they they give them like the, um, an email account that they have to use to log into certain programs. And when I logged in with the same mass assignment, when I logged in, I I didn't have access. To that. So I reached out to her in a private comment and I said, you know, um, I reached out. I said, um, you know, I, I'm not able to log in. She responds to me. She's able to log in, and other parents are able to log in, so she don't know what's wrong with, with like, what's going on on my end. So I found that response um, rude. Um, so I'm like, okay. So I went up to the school uh, Tuesday, and I said I need to speak to the principal. You know, um, I said to him, you know, what are the rules? What what are the rules of posting assignments online? Is it something that you do randomly throughout the day? Is it a certain time? Is, you know, should I be checking checking my uh, checking the, the Google Classroom randomly throughout the day, or what's what's the process? Anyways, I ended up getting the packs for the um for everything that I needed for to, to do the, the, the schoolwork. 
And um, when I went home to like actually like do the work, you know, there's really no instructions on what to do and what not to do. So it was very frustrating. So I said, you know what? I need to, I, I need to have a meeting with the principal and the teacher to really find out what to expect from distance learning. You know, is, it gonna, is, is the in-school in experience going to be different and how different will it be? What is expected of me? So we had a meeting, me and my husband went, went there. Unfortunately, <laughs> I had to bring my children because we're the only caretakers. Well, that, that had to happen. And I got, I, I went with a bunch of, like a bunch of questions and um, we asked our questions and, you know, told them what we expect and, you know, <laughs> and, and I guess get information of, of what to expect from, from this um, experience. And the principal called me yesterday and told me that they're going to have somebody um, dedicated to online um, students. So hopefully that should be helpful. Hopefully. Um, that's what let me share. Context of white supremacy. Um, hmm. Asking questions. I think that has been a theme for the day. Asking questions. Asking questions. Um, set up for failure. That happens consistently in the system of racism, white supremacy, where non-white people on jobs, you don't get all the adequate training uh, so that you can be stellar in the workplace, get all those promotions and things. Same thing looks like in the classroom, get assignments. Well, wait a minute. We don't even have the, I mean, have the book to do this. I mean, have the worksheet to get this done. Like what, what, what are we talking about? Then you go to report. Oh, it worked for me. I was able to get online and access all the material. Must be you. <laughs> like, man, all this frustration and on top of everything else, they just reported in New York. They said that they, uh, the school year, they delayed it because at uh, the beginning of this month, the teachers in New York, they were going to strike. Uh, New York City, I mean, they were going to strike. And they didn't. They delayed the start of the school year. And then I saw the report this week. They delayed the start of the school year again. Uh, Cause they said they still haven't got it together. So all of this chaos and frustration. And then we have this added nonsense where material isn't available and can't even go. Last week, she said one assignment for my child. Like, come on, come on. Is this, what am I to expect for the year? Is this going to be it? The website doesn't work. Penises here. No assignments. No help from the teachers. <laughs> oh, it worked for me. I don't know what's wrong with you. We just had that broadcast talking about homeschooling for a reason. The system of white supremacy. This is what you can expect all the way up through like grad school. Just frustrate unnecessary frustration. We got don't we already have enough frustrations in 2020 and then all of this. And then, as she said, once you just start asking questions and go in and get a meeting, now everything is available. Now we got all the material. We could have done this from the beginning. Good job asking questions, advocating for your child. That is mandatory. Now, imagine if you had parents who weren't able to do that, you know, not able to ask those questions or speak up if they didn't have the time and energy to do all that. And your child just gets penalized. Oh, you're lazy. You know, not want to do say that about you all lazy, shiftless. 
Much obliged uh, for sharing. What a year. What a year it has been. Uh, the number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Other folks dialed in, uh, if you have commentary to share, uh, line should be open. Proceed. May I be heard? Greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to just the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I would like to share some reports. Um, the first two, uh, I definitely, they have to deal with the word chocolate being involved um, or used. Uh, the first was, I guess it was used as a metaphor. Um, uh, two victims of racism were speaking about uh, one of their children's first day of school. And this is, uh, I believe, like a toddler or like a two or three-year-old uh, and the black female says, well, one black female says, or asks, how was your child's first day? And she says, well, it's going okay so far, even though he's the only little chocolate one in there. And she adds, uh, well, he's not really that chocolate. He's kind of light. Uh, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, my... Next one is, uh, I was sitting in the break room and that, uh, white woman was in there and it was another person in there as well. So she goes to get a Twix, all right, out of the vending machine and she sits down, uh, at the table across from me. And she starts biting the Twix. Uh, and then she turns around <laughs> and says, uh, do you, do you want, do you want one of these Twix? Do you want any candy? I said, no, thanks. But I'm like, just the, the boldness of that. Right. So, you know, well, it's a moment chocolate sticks. Um, my third one was also in the break room where there was a, a bailiff, a sheriff, and I turned to the news station, uh, and apparently Clay County just had a sergeant pass away from COVID. So the, uh, the, the race soldier, the white guy, he's like, uh, well, what were, what were his underlying conditions, pre-existing conditions? You know, I'm, I'm trying to watch the report. <laughs> so this guy's showing his, uh, personal viewpoint and not taking it serious. So. Uh, it, they, you know, they didn't mention anything about that. They were just, I guess, telling about the guy's accolades as a sergeant. And I'm like, how, how far is Clay County from here? You know, I'm just trying to ask questions. That, that's my defense mechanism, my notification. Um, and he answered that question. About, oh, about 50 miles. And 
and then it goes into showing the numbers, like 200 and something just from the University of Florida students, I think a majority of them was. And I said, man, you see all of these numbers? That was the second question. So he, he, tried, to, he tried to dominate by you know, show, uh, sharing his own opinion. Oh, well, see, when you show these numbers on a consistent basis, it creates a panic. And that just, it just doesn't have any uh, helpful effect on getting things back. So he, you know, he starts walking out of the uh, the break room, you know, with that same type of viewpoint. And I didn't really even respond to stuff asking questions. And I was able to get out of that situation. But I could tell he wanted to engage with me as though I was going to uh, fall for that, so to speak. Um, my fourth one is uh, there was a, a conversation with uh, the, uh, the janitor victim of racism and the uh, my black female uh, coworker where the lady, I guess, was saying that I guess she was tired of the work she was doing uh, being, you know, in maintenance and how people treat her. So, uh, the victim says, Oh, is it us? Like, I guess the people in our courthouse, our building. And she says, not really over here, but over on the other side. And she's like, Oh, who like that blonde one right there. So I can only imagine who it could have been, who she was talking about. But she said another person was in the corner and, I said automatically, I already know that's another, that's a active click member. Um, and she says, Oh, I'm not surprised. Uh, she thinks she's better than everyone. And, and she redneck too. And she's just as dark as me. And then, so she started laughing. Uh, uh, my next one, there was a, a white woman practicing racism. she, got these decorations out Halloween. Okay. And I spoke about this a little while ago too, but she says, Oh, you have to look at these decorations. So the black male over there, his area, he had a jack-o'-lantern. I guess she put this stuff in the area. Um, and the white woman, I guess had a bat or a witch. And then this is my goodness. When she got, she showed me a decoration in the area uh, where the black female sits, another black female. And she says, oh, since it's dark over on this side, you'll be able to see it better. So, I, you know, I focused on the word dark and she goes up to it and pulls a latch or a switch on it and it starts lighting up. So. The uh, the victim says, "Oh, well, see, look at mine. Mine's is, uh, I guess, mine's the best out of them all." The racist responds by saying, "Oh, that's because you put a curse on it." Okay, so I made sure, I, you know, I wanted to get that down verbatim, uh, and it's not even October yet. So my last one is. I was watching a training video on security, like email security and hackers and everything and being weary of certain type of emails that can be sent to you. 
and racism uh, definitely was displayed in that. Um, the word they used for this was social engineering. And they showed this white man, I think this was a white man. And you know how in a lot of these interviews, they show like a silhouette. They don't show the person. So they're using, once again, like dark colors, blackness, you know, mysterious, you know, enigma and everything like that. So he's saying that one one way that they can fool people to get that information is to use uh, misinformation. And they said they, the, the guy shared that one thing he did was to make a fake ad for Starbucks saying that they were allowing illegal aliens to get fee, uh, free food and beverages. And he said, you, he said, man, you should have saw, you should have seen it. People were just livid and they were just angry. And then I got a whole bunch of people and he said, was it all? Was it real at all? Absolutely not. Uh, just a little bit more of my, or just some of my social engineering pals getting people again. So I wanted to jot that down and share that. And that's all I have to say right now. Thanks for allowing me to share. Sorry about that. Got disconnected right as he was finishing up the anecdote. I was paying attention keenly uh, with the last anecdote because he was talking about uh, Internet safety. And I said, oh, man, I need that. Everybody needs that right little extra uh, internet safety and then it got right to the part where he said he makes the fake Starbucks account and I lost my uh, connection had to dial back in but internet safety uh, for everyone I hope we all got great information that we can use about keeping our uh, account safe uh, I can only add we had already said about uh, no office shenanigans all of the tomfoolery for me that includes holidays don't celebrate anything I'm not doing <clears throat> any gift exchanges trick-or-treat Thanksgiving none of that and I mean this is the year of the Rona so I mean it shouldn't have to be any you know we got to go look at decorations and all of that and check this out and none of that nobody is giving out candy this year nobody is doing any of that social distancing uh, then the tacky element with those holidays, really with anything, but the tackiness is so easy because it's right there with the languaging. We got some sort of spook. We got some sort of gremlin with the darkness of the holidays. Just all of the languaging around that is right there. It's right for tackiness. I'm not surprised. Then it's, oh, you put a curse on it. Some sort of black magic good on all of that not participating no holidays yes yes the nigra cats and nigra witches yes 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 got it all mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then they'll do all of that you got to come check out all of my decorations and i got negro kittens here and all the rest of it and this will be an excuse they got to have they got to lynch something in effigy do all that just so that we can get to the chocolate i can sit over here and gorge on twix bars mm. Don't want one. Mm -hmm. I'm good. I don't need any Twixes. I don't need any peanut M&Ms. No chocolate labs. No chocolate at all. Thank you. 
all that chocolate, Dr. Welsing. Uh, let's see. The redneck, for me, you could put that right up with uh, bigot. I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, that's another one. People will get very comfortable with bigot, redneck. They got a whole lot of them that they are way more comfortable using as opposed to racist. But redneck. Eh? What? Don't even know what that means. Uh, let's see. And darker than I am. All. Of uh, let's see. The the break room. It seems like they have a lot of incidents that go down at the break room at the courthouse. I don't know what's what's up with that. I guess people relax and you know the tackiness really comes out when it's time to hit the break room. Um, I don't know if that seems to be a standard thing with other folks in their job, but. Man, uh, I would avoid hanging out in the break room if that means this is the place where people go to gossip, (laughs) engage in pranks, mess over people's food and such. I would not kick it in the break room. Uh, But he comes. They have the news on this time. They give a report about, you know, the virus health crisis in Florida. That was a hot spot. They lost the Republican National Convention and everything down there. Poor uh, Governor DeSantis. So they give the numbers. This is what it is. Lots of deaths, you know, in Florida. Saw a white man dies. Police officer dies. Oh, my goodness. Is it all? That's a bunch of fooey. Probably had a bunch of health conditions. Well, they got all these numbers. It looks like they might have to shut down the University of Florida. I love to get all. That's just that's just nonsense. There's no Rona. They just put all that up to try to scare people and everything. You know, these Democrats have been trying to get rid of Trump for the last four years. Now, haven't we heard that for weeks now? Workplace racism, tons of folks saying exactly that type of thing. White people not taking the Rona seriously. And then have the audacity to blame it and say that this is some nonsense to get rid of President Trump. The Rona ain't real. It's just a mess it over for President Trump. Four more years. Four more years. Another component, compensatory conversation control. I said that. I put that in the description. When you have that sort of thing, it can be about the election. It can be about the Rona, the protest, whatever. Any of these things where, you know, I am not paid to come in and talk to you about the Rona conspiracies. I'm not paid to come in and talk to you about the protest or who we're going to vote for. Uh-uh. Questions great way you don't have to say that's another one you keep your composure this is not your time i want to go through any science and we want to have a 10 minute debate about whether the rona exists or not that is not what we are here for that's not what this is about hmm question he can answer it or move on whatever the case is Mm mm-hmm I'm not sitting here getting into a debate. I'm not. I said that they do that regularly. They will come and say things, do things just so they can get some sort of long winded debate going or argument, particularly if they can get you all riled up and excited about it. And passing on all that. No Rona. You're not wearing a mask. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. Right on. I would just keep that as a note now if I felt like he was, you know, him. This attitude means he's going to come and touch me a whole lot, breathe on me and that sort of thing. You know, let's see. 
the I wish I had heard more about the security because I didn't know if he gave out uh, great tips that could actually be used. I guess I had to go back and listen to the archive myself to hear about the uh, web security uh, component. Uh, but again, white people do know how to secure uh, the Internet, Zoom, those types of things, your email. If and when they want to, they can take all that stuff real serious. It, it generally isn't. Oh, they broke in and called you all niggers and all the rest. Of, oh, nothing we can do about that. That's generally not the case. They generally brag. People that get paid a lot of money. Is, oh, no, we can stop that in the next two seconds. Find out who it is and everything. But I think go back. Maybe he didn't give out that type of great information uh, with you all. Keep your email account safe down in Florida. Uh, other folks uh, dialed in have uh, commentary, observations they would like to share. Oh, wait a minute. I think we might have Emmy rejoined us. I think she got her signal back. Let's see. Yes, I did. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I do not know what you all heard last. So I'll just say, if you're new, like say maybe you listen to the archive or or you're on here, maybe not participating, maybe you're still shy, need to go to vacation and whatnot. Maybe you're stressed out your work, not really sure what to do. Be patient with yourself and take your time. And my biggest tool in the beginning was silence. It is still my biggest tool. Um, The one thing I didn't present, though, was the importance of having a safe space to vent. Um, It's not that you just hold it in and be silent and don't, you know, let it out, but you have to have a safe place, never with someone that you work with, um, and never while you're at your job. Let's say you're like, you know what, I'm going to be silent right now because somebody just pissed me off, but I'm going to walk outside and get on my cell phone and go off. I don't recommend that at all because you're still technically at work. So I would wait till you're far, far away in the privacy of your own car or home or whatever, and then go off on the phone with somebody or call into the cows and share with us. Um, and that helped me tremendously. And I say that because I feel like I've successfully navigated some sticky situations in my current position, and I'm still navigating those. And it is precisely because of what I'm sharing with you all now and by having the safe space that the cows presented. I wanted to comment on one of the clips that Gus played earlier about the, I forget their particular title, but they, they're in the military. They're, I don't know, like Navy or something. I don't know, but admirals, I think, and how long it takes to become an admiral, if I said that right. That really resonated a lot with me because I'm in a similar situation and I'm so overwhelmed at times because I have a goal, but the goal will take me, it's already taken me four years prior of schooling, which I had, I had no desire to become a physician during those four years, none. Then I took time away from school because I really didn't have a career at all. I just wanted to do something about racism. And I just, I didn't even know what, (laughs) I didn't even have a proper definition at that time, you know. Anyway, then I decided I want to become a physician, so I had to go back to get prereqs. That was two and a half years. Then it takes a year to get in by just of 
taking the MCAT and putting in your applications, it takes a year to get in. I did not get in the first year, so I'm in the second year now. Um, I'll take the MCAT again, and I've put in applications again, so it's another year. School won't begin if I get in. will not begin until July of 2021. Once in, it takes four years of medical school, and then for the specialty that I am called to do is another three to four years. So, and then after that, that's you getting your residency. And once you pass your board, you can practice at that point. You are technically a physician at that point. If you choose to specialize further, then you have fellowships and other residencies to do that. So just from when I made up my mind to become a physician, it's going to take 10 and a half years if I was able to go straight through. 11 and a half, considering the year it took, 12 and a half if I get in this year. So when I listen to that clip, and sometimes I work the overnight. I'm an introvert, I guess by choice. I'm a loner kind of by choice too. So I like overnights because I like it when it's quiet so I can think. I got a lot to think about. And when it's quiet and I think about it, it almost brings tears to my eyes how you could want to do something good for the world and have to devote so much time, and we haven't even talked about how much money it would take to do just so that you can help people who need help the most. So when listening to that clip and they talked about, well, it takes this amount of time to do and some of us just don't have the stamina for it or just don't want to do the investment, I understand that completely. Lately, I decided I have no children. So it's not, I don't have anyone that is dependent on me for their survival, meaning I have a little bit more wiggle room to do what I want to do with my life's energy. I'm, I'm not obligated to care for another person, um, which I think is be great, but that even too is a sacrifice. Like I have to consider that motherhood, like is that something I could do? You know what I mean? Do I have to pick whether I could become a mom or a doctor? And, of course, you can go online and Google, like, moms who are doctors and doctors who are moms and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, but everyone's circumstances are different. The level of support everyone has is different and whatnot. So I'm sharing this because maybe there are other folks who are like me who want to do something big in the world. Like, you always saw that you would do something big. You want to do something big. But maybe you feel overwhelmed by what it would take to do. All I can offer at this point is you are definitely, definitely not alone. Um, I've think about it often. And sometimes I waver and I'm like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to become a minimalist, move to Hawaii and be done with it all, you know. <laughs> but those are fantasy dreams. And Dr. Welding one time said something and it stuck with me. She said, that's what separates, and I'm paraphrasing, that's what separates children from adults. Children live in fantasy and adults live in reality. So I know I can do it. And if you're on this call non-white and you want to do it, I know you can do it too. I believe in you. I believe in me. And um, I commend people who have devoted their life's energy to doing something big despite the, the mountain. It seems like it's just it's a lot, you know. That's a metaphor of the mountain, but despite challenges, um, so, yeah, I just wanted to say that. And then one other thing I wanted to say, 
says, I'm not really big on being boastful. Or, like, it takes a lot for me to say, yeah, I'm stellar. But I'm practicing that as part of my code. I don't walk around saying that in real life. But I will say that on this call. And I do say things like that to myself because that's what it takes, I think. That's like the next level for me. First was learning how to shut up. <laughs> was learning how to be quiet so I could see the chessboard clearly. And then the next one is learning how to speak kindly and uplifting and supportive to myself. Um, because the workplace will tear you down, you know, people, the workplace will tear you down. Maybe even your home life will, you know, now my people were dealing with a lot. And so I know this is workplace racism and we spend so much of our life's energy at work. Um, if the people around you are not building you up, take that time to build yourself up. You know who you are and you know how you show up. So if they don't call you stellar and awesome, call yourself stellar and awesome because you are stellar and awesome. So I'm really grateful I had a chance to chime back in. I thank you all for listening to me and I hope to chat with you all again. Thanks. Wowzers. Much obliged for Emmy. Uh, I've reposted that uh, clip about the admirables, admirals, excuse me, uh, reposted it fo- so folks can check it out. But absolutely, the system of white supremacy will do lots to discourage you from investing in yourself uh, to say, yeah, I uh, think I am going to be able to do this. And it might take 10 years. It might take 15 years, but yeah. I'm willing to invest that amount of time to get this done. Um, The system of white supremacy can do a lot to uh, discourage that. And it can take a lot of that positive self-talk workplace environments. A lot of times can really uh, erode that black self-respect, that confidence to feel like, man, can I do this? Can I sustain this in spite of everything and setbacks and all the rest of it? Am I going to be able to do this? Like, Man, stick to it. Expect white people to make it difficult, but stick to it. Have that vision. Be committed. And uh, yeah, really, really make an effort to minimize having those folks that are going to name call and put you down and not be supportive uh, of you in those efforts. Like try to minimize those voices because there will be lots of that. Uh, Number again, 720-716-7300. Uh, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you have commentary. Uh, any other folks' uh, comments or suggestions they want to get in before we wrap things up? Um, I just wanted to say because this has to do with education. I don't know if it was in the clip. I, I missed the clips today, but the president um, has decided to initiate. Something about patriotic education uh, to counter, I guess, the 1619 project that some school boards have adopted. And um, from what I understand, that's supposed to be completely unconstitutional because of states' rights and all that education is supposed to be handled by local districts and the states. But the president has said he wants to do a national patriotic education um, plan to promote um, young people not feeling uh, that they're bad or that they 
engage in the original sin. And I think the young people he's thinking about probably look more like him. So just wanted to mention that. Much obliged. I did uh, see that today, the whole 1619 project. Uh, I think that's Hannah Nicole Jones. She's one of the folks that's involved. That's a cowbell right there. I did see that four more years. I think many white people, that's very popular. We're not going to slander our white ancestors as racists and rednecks and rapists. We're not doing that. They're great. They founded a great country. Uh, other folks with commentary, they want to make sure they share before we wrap things up. Grant, if everyone's satisfied, I'll check in once more. Again, we'll be here tomorrow. Compensatory call in 9 Eastern, 8 Central, 6 p.m. Pacific think we should be here sunday also global sunday talk on racism uh and then i think we'll also be here what is it wednesday uh dr ruby lathan should be back tips on eating well taking care of ourselves as best we can in the midst of the rona and wildfires and penises on zoom tough year but she should be here wednesday uh continue tune in if you think it is worthy of your time and energy uh we should be broadcasting uh regularly every day until sunday and then back on wednesday so stay tuned let me know if you have thoughts or suggestions uh if folks are all satisfied anything else you need to get in before we wrap up today We'll assume folks are satisfied. Make sure you are documenting, documenting in the workplace. Maintain that composure uh, and work on that exit strategy. If it's seeming like you're in a toxic environment, this is not seeming like some place where it's boosting your career. You're learning some skills or even being compensated what you should be. If that is not the case, polish that resume See if you can find a better plantation. In the meantime, much obliged for the folks who tuned in, participated live or in the archives. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. We will need our brain computer, especially if you got that 20, 30 year ambitious plan. Definitely will need High-functioning brain computer. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled every time we are in a vehicle, passenger, or driver. Uh, Really, we should be staying in. We got fire, toxic air, racist whites, the Rona. Lots of reasons to hunker down. Uh, If you got to go out, man, if you see any white people, they look like they're escalating, getting loud, rowdy hostile any of that this whole excursion is done uh we will stop get to a safe spot might need to call enforcement officers and then try this again later uh we're not engaging getting into any uh verbal altercations with a white person or a non-white person uh the thought process should be this individual could be armed male or female 
All of that's it. Again, so we are sober. If you got to go out, it's something serious. We are buckled. If you are driving, you are not on the cell phone. Number one, we need all of our attention, paying attention to what's happened to around us. Two, we're trying to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. Just doing little things that we can to stay safe uh, in a very dangerous system. Uh, With that creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim brother you're a victim i'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning Mm -hmm. even my conditioning has been conditioned With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.